Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, is Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Now you That's do the, do right the night now. intro. Go. No, no, I'm just going to cut myself in saying Liberty at Night oh, okay. over the top of you <laughs> saying Good Morning Liberty. It's going to sound amazing. Because it's Tuesday, yeah. and on Tuesdays... You were looking at me, Liberty and at I knew that I yeah. needed to change it, but in my mind, I was already... It's just muscle memory at this point. I, yeah, I was going down the power of habit. It's nothing you can do about it. And then, yeah, there was no switching gears. It's not that. even that you were reading off a teleprompter or anything, mm. you know? It's just, that's what your brain says it's, you have to say. It's a neuropathway that just comes out. Well, hello, everyone, all of our Liberty-loving friends. We, uh, we've been gone. For quite some time. Yeah. This was a break. Uh, Wednesday of last week, we, we did Dumb Bleep of the Week. We took Labor Day mm-hmm. off. Because we wanted to fight for uh, labor. Non-labor. Union labor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk maybe about unions if we have some time today. I don't like them. Not mm. a fan. Not mm. a fan of the unions. And Labor Day is one of my least favorite days of the year because it's people... Just saying good things about unions. It's like one of those times that I have to stay off of the internet. I didn't see anything about. Oh my god! It's unions. all just fight for labor, Labor Day. If you enjoy Labor Day, think a union. If you enjoy the weekend, think a union. God, makes me want to puke every time. Mm. Every Labor Day, worst holiday of the year. I tell you what. <laughs> but you uh, enjoyed it this year. I enjoyed it this year. You're right because <laughs> I was not one to puke because I wasn't even online because I was on a family vacation with my wife's side of the family mm. we took the uh took the kids and took the in-laws and all that we went down to jacksonville florida went down to net neptune beach that's what they call it and uh, then we went up to driftwood beach on the way out have you ever driven up the coastline like between florida and and georgia and mm. as you, you see in my mind i never driven up there before in my mind you just got to a spot and then there was a beach and then there was the ocean. And like, that's what the edge of the United States looks like all the way from, from Miami, <laughs> all the way up the main. It just, it looks like Daytona beach <laughs> all, all the way up yeah. the entire coastline is just one giant beach. That's not it. No. And that's not what it looks like. Mm-mm. It's actually really cool. There's all these little islands. <laughs> let me let you guys know what the East coast of the United States looks like. Cause I drove up about 50 miles of it this weekend mm. And uh, it's really pretty through there. Changed your life, didn't it? I I just, I did not know it existed. It actually made me want to visit Georgia sometime, and I've never felt that way in my mm. entire life. Yeah. You know? I hear Savannah's pretty. I've been there before, but like for one night. Yeah, and then they, they have those trees, not the weeping willow trees, but like those Georgia trees. I don't know what they're called. The giant oaks? They're that, like, like kind of mossy yeah. coming down. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's called a mossy oak. I'm not sure. Yeah. The antebellum trees. Yeah. The antebellum. Yeah. The, like the, they were there before the Patriot Civil, House Civil War. Yeah. Trees. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're all live on the road and everything. Spanish moss. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? So anyway, it was really pretty through there. I recommend it to someone. If you want to drive through there, I recommend having a convertible or a Jeep or a, or a bike, like a, not a bicycle. It's a long way, like a motorbike oh. of some kind. A, mo- a motorcycle. <laughs> I was like, are you biking 50 miles now? Yes. No, I'm not. I rode in a car that I was driving. So anyway, we got stuff to talk about. It's Tuesday night for some people. I was not listening. on vacation. Mm-mm. I was here working hard uh, as I usually do. And yes. Nate, that's your fifth vacation this year. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Any and more? that doesn't even count Freedom Fest. If you count Freedom Fest, then it was my sixth vacation of the year. And then tomorrow you're leaving for another I'm conference. I'm going to Denver tomorrow. Yeah. So vacation number six. And I cannot say Denver without wedding crashers popping up in my head. And my wife and I both do that. Like, I'm leaving tomorrow. And she's like, yeah, you're going to Denver to meet your whore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I earn those miles like every time. Yeah. That's, that's what we talk about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm going to Denver. And then uh, I think that's it for me for the year. My wife still has one more trip planned. And then we just found out we're going to Peru in a few months. So... <laughs> So you do have more? No, no, it's a, it's in twenty twenty four. Oh, okay. So it doesn't count. Peru's awesome, though. I, I loved Peru. I was going to talk to you about that, bef- you know, sometime before or after, but I, I need help. Well, let me know. I might need help. We'll mm-hmm. see. Anyway, uh, this is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and pursuit of meaning, as you can tell, every single day of the week, as you can tell, when when we want to, as and, you can tell, as you can tell, and so. I was asking. We were asking the live group beforehand. What the heck happened? Over the time that we were gone, we were gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and here I am perusing the internet for news last night. Uh, can't find hardly anything. I don't think anything catastrophic happened. That's and, good. And what's cool about taking little trips where you go out and you touch sand uh, or touch grass or whichever one is you realize that there's not that many really important things that happen. When you're when you're tuned into the news on a constant daily basis, and let's say that you you've boxed yourself into a life where you have to talk for upwards of an hour every single day about something that's in the news, well, then you t- you tend to fine tune yourself into every single little little bitty thing that happens. That becomes your reality. And when you take some time off and you come back and you look for this super important thing that happened while you were gone, and you're like, well, what's important that happened? Well, I was gone. Well, Jimmy Buffett died. The lead singer of Smash Mouth died. Those are about the most important things that happened, except for all the other people that died and other people's lives that Mm -hmm. weren't famous. And we're against death. And we don't like it. Yeah. And so those were the really important things. Other than that, there are news stories that we can, in fact, uh, talk about, and we will, and they are really important. So I tried to find the most important thing, the most important piece that came out. And it happens to do with the with the U.S. deficit. Now, I know this is confusing because we have budget hawk Joseph Biden. And the strongest economy with mm-hmm. Bidenomics in play. In the history of all mankind mm-hmm. happening right now. So I know it's really confusing, but our, our deficit is looking like it's going to double just uh, after one year. Of him reducing it. The most that's ever been reduced in the history of all mankind is now going to double the following year. And this is actually kind of scary because we happen to be in the best economy in the history of the world, like what you were just saying. And we got low unemployment. Everyone is doing so good. But uh, unfortunately... Inflation's coming down. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Inflation has been reduced greatly. Yeah. And, and COVID's gone, minus all the people who got it this summer. And so other than it's 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 kind of crazy. Um, other than all those great things happening, we are in a situation that we are only that we've only ever been in uh, when there was a war going on or a really catastrophic economic recession or depression going on. And we happen to be moving into that period right now where two trillion looks like it's going to become like a baseline 
type of deficit for us. And that's not good. That's only two. It's yeah. <laughs> Remember when it was a trillion before COVID and that was bad. That was really bad. And now it's kind of looking like, well, all things being equal, everything considered, our normal economy humming along, adding more jobs than, than God out here is Joseph R. Biden. Two trillion deficit, about the best we can muster right now. <laughs> yeah. So there's a piece here from from who? Whom? The Washington Post. The Washington Post posting about this. The subtitle hmm. is a strong economy usually reduces the deficit. Not this time. Maybe it's because it's not actually a strong economy. (laughs) The federal deficit is projected to roughly double this year as bigger interest payments and lower tax receipts widen the nation's spending and balance despite robust overall economic growth. They're still trying to spend this thing. I know they're going the writings on the wall (laughs) and they're just like, don't look here. Yeah, over here. After the government's record spending in 2020 and 2021 to combat the impact of COVID-19, there is a war going on, by the way, right now. There is a war. Ukraine, Russia. The deficit dropped by the greatest amount ever in 2022, falling from close to $3 trillion to roughly $1 trillion. But rather than continue to fall to its pre-pandemic levels, the deficit then shot upward. Budget experts now project that it will probably rise to about two trillion for the fiscal year that ends September thirtieth. The unexpected, unexpected. It's very unexpected. Oh, God, it's so unexpected. Mm-hmm. Who would have seen this coming? No one could have possibly predicted no. this. No. The unexpected deficit surge, which comes amid signs of strong growth in the economy overall. At <laughs> You How see, can they write something like this? The only things that they can point to, they point to the job numbers, which we, we know about that. We actually are going to talk about that a little bit more later on. And then they can point to things like GDP. Also. But you know what they never do? They never repoint. They never point to the revised job numbers that come out a couple months later. No, and they don't point to how many jobs were lost before Joe yeah. Biden took office and where we actually are versus where we would have been if we would have stayed on the same trend uh, that we were on before the COVID lockdowns. And then they point to GDP which a large portion of GDP is government spending. And so they, they talk about, well, our GDP number is this, this, and this. Well, we got the Inflation Reduction Act. We got all the money, you know, we're, we're spending on defense, of course. We got all kinds of money that the government spends that becomes a portion of the GDP. And then our GDP number gets more and more fake over time. And so all this hoopla about a, a strong economy. It's is, all fake. Yes. It's literally all fake. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's, yeah, you can kind of scan through a little yeah. bit because this hasn't been. So there's likely to be a fierce debate on Capitol Hill about the nation's fiscal policies as lawmakers face a potential government shutdown this fall. Ooh. Yeah, that's coming up in like a couple weeks. Every We're going to be talking shutdown again. Every fall was shut down, man. The Senate will return this week from its August recess and the House will be back the following week. The higher deficit may undermine Biden's attempt to take credit for reigning in the budget ahead of the 2024 presidential election. And it could pose a challenge to Republican lawmakers who, despite their calls for fiscal responsibility, are pushing to extend more than three trillion in tax cuts (laughs) they approved in 2017. This is all because of tax cuts and corporate greed Mm -hmm. can explain this. The three trillion in tax cuts, of course, are over a span of. 10 years and 
So that means if if all the numbers are correct and they would actually take in that amount of taxes, then the three trillion in tax cuts they want to extend would be three hundred billion dollars per year. And of course, we're talking about a two trillion dollar deficit, even if you weren't going to extend those tax cuts and they took in the perfect amount of money they're talking about, then the deficit would be one point seven trillion instead of two trillion. And that would not solve the problem mm. at all. Uh, but they're going to keep pointing to this because they can say this $3 trillion word right there. And people use that. Well, we got a $2 trillion deficit. We got $3 trillion in tax cuts. And they never, they just don't think about it, man. Mm-hmm. The surge in red ink has confounded many economists' expectations. Typically, deficits contract when the economy grows because the businesses and consumers owe more in taxes and the government does not need to spend as much to protect those who have lost their jobs. Then deficits normally expand again in downturns as those factors go into reverse. And yet the current surge in the deficit is is coinciding with a period of unusually strong economic growth amid historic lows in unemployment and robust corporate profits. So weird. It is really weird weird how that happens. And so what what they're basically saying is, Normally, during a recession, we'll see the deficit go up like we did for COVID. We saw that happen because tax receipts go down. People lose their jobs. There's like not, we did in 08, 09. Not as many people paying in, paying their taxes. Corporate profits are going down. And the government is having to spend more money or they, they choose to spend more money to uh, try and help people. And so the deficit surge during that time. And then they typically will come back. And there's a time where we have low unemployment and we have corporate profits doing well. And we have so many people working and we're adding so many jobs. The problem is the unemployment number is still a very fake number. There's only so long that you can fake all of these numbers Mm -hmm. is the problem. The GDP portion of that is government spending. Once the government spending, well, they're borrowing the money or they're taxing it from people. And then you're counting that back in the GDP. It's all just a just a big old, what do you call it? A hand-washing station of money, basically. It's, just a big cycle. It's cooking the books. You're cooking the books on stuff. There it's you go. Literally. That's the way to say it. And um, it, it's not good because what happens if we go into another big recession? Like, what happens if the housing market finally crashes? Because there's a lot of people talking about that right now. Uh, what happens if that market finally crashes and the government needs to try and help people, but also the tax receipts are going down. It's, it would be really bad and they just have well, to print that's money. Then we those, get into even more inflation. That's why we need all those agents. Tax <laughs> evasions. What's yeah. happening. Listen to the experts here though, mm. folks. Furman says, and who's Furman again? I can't remember. Uh, top economist yeah. in the Obama administration and now an economics, economics professor. professor at Harvard. Yeah. So here's, here's the expert Remember, Trust the experts. He says, quote, to see this in an economy with low unemployment is truly stunning. There's never been anything like it. A good and strong economy with no new emergency spending and yet a deficit like this. The fact that it is so big in one year makes you think it must be some weird freakish thing going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's it. That's one of your top economist professors at Harvard. Just weird and freakish. We have no idea how we got here. The freakish thing going on is that the government spends too much money. <laughs> they keep adding and adding more and more programs. Yeah. They never take them away. Mm-hmm. And so they keep spending too much money. The, there's no freak accident. This mm-hmm. is not a surprise. When they spend more and more money every single year, the deficits are going to happen. There's only so much you're going to be able to tax 
back out of the economy. What's that normal rate we pay? It sounds what it sounds like to me is like the stereotypical wife joke. Like when you're going over the budget with your wife and and she's like, (laughs) it must be some weird freakish thing. And you're like, well, there were 28 Amazon boxes delivered this (laughs) month and there were 27 target trips. And I Mm -hmm. see here that uh, we bought 45 coffees from Starbucks. Yeah. Or in my house, you're like, well, it's just weird and freakish. I don't yeah. know how this happened. On, in my house, it's reversed. You know, it's like <laughs> that's why I'm I said like, stereotypical. I'm like, what happened to our what happened to our money? This is so weird. She's like, well, you just had your 18th microphone delivered to the house, <laughs> and uh, looks like that's a Rode microphone. You got a nice carry case for it too. Uh, that's cool. Um, how much money are you bringing in with other podcasts? And uh, with it, yeah, I don't know if this is some kind of freakish thing that's happening right now or not. And uh, so I'm, I'm just trying to give credit to the ladies out there. That's that, why I said stereotypical. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's a joke. All right, there are men, there are plenty of women who are really good with money, and there's plenty of men that suck with it. Yeah. All right. Um. So it could be reversed. I'm actually Absolutely. really good with money. I just I've never had any. You just, I just can't. You know, I just can't prove to you still my that, greatness. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're mentally still in your trailer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that you grew up in. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, no, but you're, you're spot on. The government spends too much money. And we, we talked about this, that once you, once you release this kind of money, right, it's very hard to claw you back. Can't take it back. People are now used to this, right? And mm-hmm. if you, it's political suicide to try to remove it, right? Because people were like, well, I ain't voting for that guy. He's not going to give me money like this guy is. Now, or even this girl, like people who will tell you like a conservative let's take like a 60 year old conservative and they're like yeah the government's ruined everything and these entitlements and social security and medicare and all that stuff they're bankrupt in our economy and uh they don't have any money we're gonna run out in 10 years and then there's like a candidate who says well you know i think we should maybe uh allow people to opt out or, you know, reduce some of the benefits and stuff like that. And we should raise the age by a year or two. I'm not voting for that crazy extremist (laughs) isolationist person wants to throw grandma. You know, they don't, they don't actually, people want to help themselves first. Cause here's the thing. They've paid into it their whole lives now. And so you're like, well, hang on a second. I just spent 40 years paying into something that I'm not going to get anything out of. And you're like, yeah, you kind of got scammed grandpa. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's what that's called a pyramid scheme mm-hmm. you know we put bernie madoff in prison for that but we're not gonna put anybody in prison for this one but you kind of got you kind of got screwed let me show and you. i feel bad for you let me show uh, you we're something. getting screwed too don't worry this is starting in 1929 and it goes up to 2022 i believe on this number um we mentioned it earlier but this is the tax receipts as a percentage of our GDP. And so typically, Charlie and I have talked about this, and this comes from uh, Professor Andy Davies. Uh, you know, we we talked about that book a lot. Uh, dang it, what's the name of that book? Words and Numbers. Well, the podcast, oh, the podcast Words and Numbers. Sorry. There's a book that's really, Cooperation and Coercion. They, uh, they talk about that a lot. So anyway, the tax receipts as a percentage of GDP typically sits somewhere around 17%. But it does wiggle back and forth a little bit. It's dipped down to, say, 14%, and it's gone up to almost 20%. Here's something really interesting, because what people will tell you is that, 
Here's what they would tell you if you're making this argument online, on Twitter, or X, whichever one. If you're making this argument, they'll say, we're not taxing hard enough. That's the problem. Corporate greed, all this stuff. We're just not taking in enough taxes. What we need to do is tax more, get the government some more money so we can finally solve this problem. Well, as a percentage of the GDP, let me tell you how many years we have had a, a uh, tax receipts as a percentage of GDP over 19%. We have had that a total of four times in the, in the recorded history of the United States, according to the Federal Reserve. Of course, there was time before that, but mm-hmm. uh, let's just act like time started right here. In 1944, 1945, and the year, the year 2000, and the year 2022 are the only times, according to the Federal Reserve, that we have ever taken over 19%. According to Fred. According to Fred, that we've ever taken over 19% of our GDP back in taxes. Okay, so we are essentially, statistically, at all-time highs as far as the amount of taxes we have taken out of the economy. The times where it has gone up, now the all-time high is actually 19.81, and we are currently at 19.23. The all-time high is 19.81. The times where it got up to that 19.8 realm, real bad stuff happened afterwards, uh, and then and then things were, were okay. Now, we've got a world war where we were taking that much. Then we've got the dot-com boom running up to 2000 everything was just humming along and then we get this big financial crash we didn't even get back up there for the uh, great recession and then we are running up to right now and so how is anyone going to tell me that it has to do with us not taxing enough when we are statistically at the highest amounts that have ever been taxed out of the u.s economy and we're still running a two trillion dollar deficit is that the problem? It's not the tax receipts. <clears throat> it's not the receipts, is no. it? I want you to pay attention to something else here, by the way. As people mentioned in the comments, there's nothing there's nothing so permanent as a temporary <laughs> government program or a government spending or whatever the case may be. All right, when we come back, Liberty and Night, we're going to be talking more about this massive budget deficit. And of course, Joe Biden is out there talking about all the jobs he's added. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Unfortunately, due to government meddling, the company that partnered with Dash to offer Dash Direct is leaving the crypto business. However, they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
What is up? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. We are coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. We've been talking about this crazy, crazy U.S. budget deficit. And while Joe Biden has been out there uh, talking about how he cut the deficit, of course, uh, Trump's massive deficits, of course, never mentioned uh, that that was because of all of the COVID stimulus packages. Hey, we still fault Trump for signing all that mess also. But now we're looking at a $2 trillion deficit when we're not at, at major war and we're not in a recession. What's going on? Before the break, we were talking about how there's nothing as permanent as a temporary government program. And we're looking at how much the government taxes out of our economy, out of our GDP. We are at record highs, near, near record highs right now. If you notice a sharp increase during World War II, Mm -hmm. right, when we went up to that 20% mark, basically, 19.8, you'll notice it didn't dip, mm, didn't really dip below 14. Mm. We've stayed at an average of about 19% since World War II. Now, remember, in World War II, this was all temporary just for the war. Well, we get things like Social Security. Mm -hmm. Um, We get get these programs that are going to help people. You know, and uh, and take care of them. So that's when we start to get this kind of welfare. But they still the messaging, state. the propaganda back then was still like, oh, it's going to be the rich people. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be what? No, now it's everybody, and everyone. At, at that time, beforehand, I mean, starting in 1929, they were taking four percent of the GDP. So the GDP, like that's all of our products and services that we're creating as an economy. So that's what we are generating every year as an economy. And they're only taking 4% of it. And they're doing okay, I guess. I don't know. America, back then, I feel like everything was okay. We shoot all the way up to basically 20%, and we've stayed around 17% since then. And we just, it's not enough. It's just not enough. And so now my question is... here's the thing. It will never be enough. So Ever. When you look at this as far as a chart is concerned, what we're looking at is either we're going to get rejected off of those highs like we have been in the past, or that what's called an inverted head and shoulders pattern uh, right there over the last 20 years is going to equal us shooting up in the territory that we've never been to before. In the history, all the world wars and everything, that we're going to shoot up into a nation that we're taking 30 40% of our GDP, the government is, and setting it on fire, essentially. So I, I don't know which one of those things is, is actually going to happen. And then look at this uh, <clears throat> federal, this is the net outlay. So this is the government spending as a percentage of the gross domestic product. So even if you look at this peak, I picked like kind of an average peak that happened in 1983. Uh, it was around 22.5% of our gross domestic product. Now keep in mind, 22.5% they're spending of our gross domestic product and we're saying that they were taking in about 17 or 18% of the gross domestic product and then they're spending more than that. Of course, what do they got to do with the extra they spend? They got to take it back out, either through borrowing or inflation or whatever it is. Uh, but there's only a few times that we've gone over this 22.5 happens to be the Great Recession, the housing market crash, and World War II and the last couple of years as far as our spending as a percentage of the GDP. And everyone's trying to tell us that we just live in the greatest economy that's ever happened. 
in the history of the world. People really think we're going to pop up into areas we have only been in for what we call the Great Recession and World War II and Great Depression time, and everything's going to be fine. Be the first time in our history that we hit those numbers and it's the greatest economy ever. What do you think, man? (laughs) It's all lies. Ain't going to happen. We're not being honest about what's really happening. You know, it'd be a really cool constitutional amendment that maybe libertarians can fight for. I just thought about this. Like what if we made a rule that the government budget cannot be more than 5% of GDP? Yeah. Then what would be the incentive for government? It would be to grow the GDP. (laughs) Yeah. To fake the GDP numbers <laughs> would be their so incentive. They, they could get, the, you know, 5%. But no, but that, that would be uh, something in the right direction. To I me, think. that's something that the founders kind of uh, overlooked, I guess. And it's weird. They foresaw so many things happening. But even when it comes to taxation, they should have set a limit on on taxation. You know, I know that there wasn't an income tax when they originally did the constitution, but even when they did that, like there should have been a limit set on the amount of taxes you could take from the people. And there needs to be a limit set on the amount of the GDP that they can spend also. And the actual problem we've ran into, it's not just the people in the government. It's the, it's the people, the people that elect the people in the government. Like we were saying earlier, like we want thing, we want unearned things. We just had Labor Day, so that just reminds me that people want unearned things, you know, and uh, that's a big problem. And this is what happens when you keep wanting unearned things is the government has to use money to pay for it. And they're either going to inflate or they're going to borrow or they're going to tax. Either way, it's still going to cost you money. They're just going going to rely on certain people's ignorance uh, and to tell you that it's not going to cost you any money, but everything, even if, if you, even if you want to say you want to tax corporations to pay for this, well, where do corporations get their money? They get their money from their customers. Corporations don't pay taxes. Their customers pay taxes. Uh, I think the number is somewhere around 80% of the increased tax gets passed back through the price of the products and services. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, th- it absolutely increases prices for people. And there's no way that you're going to get these things from the government without it costing you money. And there's always an idea that it's going to cost someone else money. It's not going to cost you anything. You get it for free. <clears throat> it's, yeah. it's never actually going to be free. Yeah. But have no fear, folks, at the end of this article, uh, uh, quote, unlike House Republicans, President Biden takes reducing the deficit seriously. <laughs> and he will continue calling out Republicans for their hypocrisy on the debt. From White House spokesman Michael Kikakua. Kikakawa. Kikakawa. All right. Mm. <clears throat> the statement also emphasized that Biden's budget proposals would reduce the deficit by trillions of dollars through higher taxes on the rich and corporations. It's just more taxes. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. Even though Which we are who, currently at all time high levels of taxation but, in the U.S. economy. And then who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for the taxes on the rich and corporations? People who pay those people for the things that they produce that's just where it means the prices the are going to keep going higher don't get it's just inflation that's all it is you can't get things you can't get things without paying for it there's no such thing as a free lunch it's not possible mm-hmm. you will pay for it somehow and that's just the way nature works i know 
Nature versus Nurture Lodge. <laughs> you know? Let's look at some more uh, <sighs> cool things. We've got this, uh, This I think we'll go to Biden. I keep wanting to say Obama today. I I left for four days and I forgot that Biden was the president. Every <laughs> so time I he. tried to say his yeah. <laughs> Every time I tried to say his name, I went to say Obama today. Yeah. It's he so gets weird. Up there like, what am I doing again? <laughs> what what is this? Well, so he was up there talking. You think he wakes up every morning and says like, "I'm the president." He's the happiest man in the world. Uh, they voted me. me? <laughs> I never thought. God darn these! I could need to tell these kids anybody can do anything. I don't know whose joke it was, but that's so. <laughs> It's so good saying that he's the happiest man in the world. It's every day he wakes up and finds out he's president. <laughs> man, envious. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, this is him talking. He finally calls out Trump, and he's talking about his record on jobs. Uh, this needs some ki- some type of fact check, and so we shall provide it, Joseph R. Biden. 800,000 new manufacturing jobs. But you wouldn't know from all the negative news you hear. Well, we're getting through this one of the greatest job creation periods in American history. For real, that's a fact. And you know, it wasn't that long ago we were losing jobs in this country. In fact, the guy who held this job before me was just one of two presidents in history. He was one of, oh, but here's an important point, one of two presidents who left office with fewer jobs in America than when he got elected office. By the way, you know who the other one was? Herbert Hoover. Isn't that kind of coincidental? Look. The vacuum mm. guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, Joe. <clears throat> okay. So we basically everyone listening knows the uh, the lot. Now, uh, factually, it's correct. That's the problem. I love how they love facts. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the left is most known for. They're they factual loving. Mm-hmm. They They're, don't like misinformation. They mm-hmm. like the truth and they want, they care about democracy. And of course the people need to know the truth. And the truth of the matter is that Donald Trump is one of two presidents to leave office with less jobs than when he got there. And there's no asterisks or anything necessary for this. Now they, you they don't all, have to ask why. No, oh. they all know. Now it doesn't mean that we agree with the way Trump did things. And while he was president, I don't remember exactly. See, it's been so long since we talked about COVID stuff. I don't remember exactly what the federal government's role in the unemployment was, because I know a lot of this was state policies, but also know there are a lot of industries that were also like major industries that were also asked to shut down. And so, yeah, the whole essential worker thing. Yeah, I know. But um, I'm just wondering what, how much of it was state level, how much of it was federal level. Uh, And I can't tell you exactly what all those numbers are right now but we all know that it was because of covid now one thing i don't like that they do when they talk about this is they act like joe biden acts like if he was the president at this time then none of those people would have lost their jobs somehow he wouldn't have shut down the country mm-hmm. you know they would have just said screw covid and kept going you know and so that's like what they're implying is that if a democrat would have been in office that they would have kept the economy open and no one would have lost their jobs and everything would have been fine and then <clears throat> when they talk about the deficits, they're implying the same thing. Oh, they would have never spent that $2.2 trillion on the COVID mm. relief bill. That's not a Democrat thing to do. There's no way. Yeah, we would spend it on Build Back Better. Mm-hmm. You know? That's what it would be. Because mm. Democrats actually invest. Yeah. You know, that's which means they don't really spend money. 
Now, there were things that different countries do that I think was uh, better. Some of their uh, s- some of the bailouts went directly to companies and what they had to do essentially was keep people hired. They paid them through payroll on the companies. So they remained employees of those companies. So when they reopened, they were still employees of the companies. We didn't go back this through this whole process, you know, and uh, that's what some of the Scandinavian countries did. And if you're going to manage an economy and spend other people's money through that's stolen through theft and threat of death, and that, then I think that that was a better way of doing things. Well, and in a way, they tried to do that mm. in America. The, the PPP loans was supposed yeah. to be payroll protection. But there was no... But you could spend it on all kinds of things. You could do anything you wanted with it. Yeah, yeah. It, didn't, and, it doesn't matter. You know, to and keep you didn't even employed. have to have a business to get it. No. <laughs> you could be in prison <laughs> and get a PPP loan that you didn't have to pay back. So, so I want to look at some of the, the numbers here. Now, he, he starts off by talking about manufacturing. And so I did want to look at manufacturing. And this is actually pretty crazy uh, what happened from 1940. And this is <clears throat> uh, in thousands of people here. So in millions, really, that were uh, employed in the manufacturing industry. And what you see is around, what is it, 2000? This falls off a Galdern cliff mm. just out of here. Dot com. Man. Everybody moved to the internet. Yeah, I guess so. That's yeah. what happened. All the manufacturing moved overseas, I guess. And so we've never recovered from that. At that point, it dropped off of around, say, 17 million manufacturing jobs. And it bottomed out after the Great Recession somewhere around 12, a little lower than 12. Wouldn't you say, Chuck? Yeah. And so we we move up. And then about the same thing happened in 2020. Yeah. We move up in 2020 up to 12 million 790,000 and then it falls off a cliff because all these places are shut down. Okay. Remember you couldn't even get toilet paper. It's not that. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Couldn't even wipe your own ass. If you wanted to that ear stunk. <laughs> Let me tell you what, <laughs> man. Yeah. Good thing. We were all in our own homes. <laughs> wear a mask, you know, helps with the smell if anything. Yeah. So uh, what happened when this big, this job number just fell off of a cliff is not that like Donald Trump signed a new law, like a Republican led bill that said F manufacturing mm-hmm. people. We're just going to dump all these jobs. Maybe it had to do with Trump, but it was a, a COVID pandemic that either one of the parties would have done basically the same thing. And I would, I would guess that in fact, if there were a Democrat, say Hillary Clinton in office, if, if Hillary Clinton was in office in this pandemic, if some reason the Chinese still decided to release this virus <laughs> right before allegedly, the presidential election, allegedly, yeah, uh, which I guess maybe there's your argument. If there would have been a Democrat president, the virus would have never existed in the first place because they wouldn't have had a reason to release it. Right now, would that be better? <laughs> there's we your question. Have gone through the pandemic. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. This is all speculation. That's why I said sarcasm. Alleg- allegedly. Yeah. We do not think that this was intentionally released to the world that we know of we don't know mm-hmm. is it possible anything's possible anything's yeah. possible that's what my church says mm-hmm. <laughs> so january 2020 we have 12,790,000 jobs and uh right now we have 12,997,000 jobs about 200,000 more so jobs <laughs> so there's your that, <laughs> when you when you, but they're counting from this <laughs> number. Well, they're counting from the time that Joe Biden took oh, office. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't Sorry. know if I highlighted that. Let me see. No, I didn't. Um, 
he's right. It's about 800,000 new manufacturing jobs from the time he took office. And of course, we were rebounding really hard from a time that all of those jobs, those places of work were shut down and not allowed to do anything. Yeah. Which, and, by the way, it looks like Trump added about 800,000 yeah, as well before he left office. <laughs> he did. Yeah. But you look at his total for the whole time he was president, yeah. and uh, he didn't add the, uh, the same amount. It was net negative. Yeah. He was net negative, uh, which is pretty crazy. But what I think the most important number to look at is, is what were we just before COVID? And then what are we right now? Because that's what we should truly be comparing our economy to. Not what did the economy look like when the government shut down the economy versus what does it look like when the government is allowing the economy to operate? Those are terrible things that compare to one another. Clearly, one thing is going to be better than the other. Not that hard to guess that. What does it look like when the economy was purring along and it it turns out it's about 200,000 more jobs. Now, the thing that we should also look at is what was the trend line before that now this i'm not saying it's all biden's fault but this is what happens when you shut down an economy because we were on track if we kept going at the pace that we were gonna be at we were on track to say have instead of two hundred thousand more jobs right now i drew a line on it uh, on another chart that i don't have on here we were on track that by now we would have like five hundred thousand more jobs than we had in january 2020 if because the trend kept if that, going, if that rate of growth kept going at that time, and and so we're still behind where we would have been if if not for the COVID pandemic. So basically, Joe Biden, you know, um, he's saving all of us. This employment to population ratio is another really important thing to look at. I didn't pull up the uh, labor force participation rate i pulled up the employment to population ratio because he talks about uh we talk about how many jobs we've added well another thing to keep in mind is how many people we've added because the population continues to grow so it's a uh, very different when you look at those raw job numbers and you don't pay attention to say what percentage of the population was actually added in jobs and we still have not made it up to the percentage before the covid pandemic uh, we're still uh, maybe half a percent. We still haven't, uh, we still like haven't, even, we still haven't even recovered from the financial no. crisis of 08. No, we never got up to uh, 2006 levels. And we haven't even recovered from the dot-com bubble. No, never got up to dot-com. And I think, was that the peak? April of 2000 uh, was actually the peak in the employment population rate. And it's it's crazy. Like, Look at the head and shoulders. I know, I know. It's so good. And then we almost came right up to it and tested it before we fell off again. Mm. It's a, it's crazy how this stuff works. But um, Everything's a chart. I know. You Every, can chart your whole life. You can chart your life. You really can. <laughs> yeah. You, no, we don't have to go into that right now. But anyway. And if you're you feeling down, you just need a little bit of an investment. Mm-hmm. You know? What's important is that you get past your previous high. Mm-hmm. And when you start to feel like low again... You don't let yourself go lower than the previous low. And so you want to get yourself on an uptrend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every time you feel good, it needs to feel better than the most recent time you feel good. When you get down, you don't want to go down below the last time you got down. You're on the uptrend. Because otherwise you might yeah. really hit, you know, yeah. go bottom. A, sounds like you need to go uh, get some cocaine or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's how people artificially. I, I don't recommend that. No. No. Now you could personally do it yourself by making the good, good life choices, or you could do like, 
what the government does, which would be like falsely pushing this uptrend. Anyhow, the the lesson to be learned. Let's get to says this also sounds like advice Kurt Cobain would get. <laughs> let's get to the point here for a sec <laughs> on a Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the point here is that when we look at the dot com era and you think about like the uh, the Bill Clinton years and all that, a lot of people look at the 90s. I'm like, yeah, the 90s. That was a good time. That was, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a great time. And um, also, there's a lot of people who will look at working and say that working is bad. Like, we don't need, you know, these people working for the man, working for these corporations, whatever. And it turns out a correlation with the 90s and the Bill Clinton area, era being so good is also that we were at the all-time high employment to population ratio that the United States has ever been, according to all of the Bureau of Labor Statistics that we can go through. So that's more people who are able to work that were working. Yes. Than not. And I think that working does give you a fair amount of purpose. If you if you can find it, you can find it in every job, yeah. uh, whatever job it is that you're doing that is done in a free market. You have something to do. Mm-hmm. Something to get you out of bed and in the now, morning. Now, if it's not done in the free market... That's between you and God, honestly. Okay, if you're working for the government and you're working on stolen money, maybe you're providing a service, okay? Probably take Ambien to sleep at night. (laughs) That's how you sleep at night. (laughs) But if you're working in a free market and people are freely given that money, that means you are helping people or they wouldn't be giving that money over to whatever the company is. And I'm sure that's how Ambien came about, by mm -hmm. the way, you know? People who... Guy went to his doctor, he's like, man, I'm having trouble sleeping at night. Yeah. I did all these terrible things I don't feel good about, you know, and they're the like, doctor's ah. like, what do you, who do you work for? <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like, well, I work for the U S government. Yeah, CIA. <laughs> yeah. Can't tell you what I do though. But no. yeah. Or it could like, just be an IRS, like an IRS agent. Probably yeah. they had, they couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. And so they, they developed a drug yeah. called Ambien. Mm-hmm. And that's how they sleep at night. Yep. That's it. <laughs> so anyway, the employment to population ratio, we still haven't made it up to, pre-pandemic levels or pre-2008 housing market crash levels or dot-com levels. Instead, we are actually sitting around the 1980s, 1970s levels right now. What happened then? It's not good. Hmm. Okay. It's not good stuff. And and so when we're out there talking about all these jobs that have been added, we're not even, as the population has grown, we're still not even getting over that employment to population ratio that we had before the pandemic. So what have we really added? We haven't added as much as we could have, because if that ratio would have kept going up the way it was going, uh, it could be a heck of a lot higher right now. We'd have a whole lot more jobs than we have right now, which is a whole lot more production, a whole lot more GDP in the economy, which also helps fix all of this massive deficit to GDP problem that we're having. I had, it, it pains me to talk about stuff like that because we're talking about, you know, stealing people's money mm-hmm. and spending on other stuff. But they could even be doing a better job at that right now. They suck at that. Yeah. How do you suck at stealing money? <laughs> I mean, seriously, think about it. Your job is to steal money from people and spend less money than you stole from people. Maybe if they'd feel a little bit bad about it. Listen, and that's why it's hard. You've got like military and armies and guns and stuff to protect you. All you've got to do is steal money from people and then spend less money than you just stole. So you can keep doing it. 
and your entire world doesn't collapse around you. And that's all. That's your job. That's all you got to do. Greed. <laughs> greed actually explains that one. Well, what? Like greed for what? For power or for or for money? For money. It's not enough. You know, yeah. you didn't steal enough. You didn't rob enough. Ba- Why do you think people who rob banks and stuff get caught? Because eventually, eventually they keep going because it's not enough. Mm. They yeah. spent more than they robbed. And so now they've got to rob another one. You know, that's hey. the problem. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the dumbest tweets we saw over the last week. Eluthromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our lives. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Free Talk Live. Well, what is up, all of our liberty loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie. On the Free Talk Live Network, we are coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. And of course, you are getting us every Tuesday night, although Charlie and I have a show called Good Morning Liberty that we do every single day of the week when we want to, when I'm not traveling, when I'm not on vacation or doing whatnot. Charlie's traveling all the time, too. Anyway, there's a show like every single day of the week. If you can go to BernieLies.com. Or go to Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app for that. I want to tell you that this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering the Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And a big thanks to Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash Dash.org. Well, once again, this is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie. And of course, we have a daily show called Good Morning Liberty, which you can find both of those on your favorite podcast app. On Good Morning Liberty, we do a show called Dumb Bleep of the Week. And we do this every week. And we normally do this on Fridays. Of course, we're going we're gonna to bring you some of the dumbs tonight instead. Uh, but we do this every week, and then we do a tournament at the end of the year. We call it Dumb Bleep of the Year. And so basically, our listeners submit things that they think are dumb. And then people in the Fed Haters Club submit things that they think are dumb. And then the people that listen to us live in the Fed Haters Club, you can go to that by going to joingml.com. Uh, those people that are listening live, they get to vote every week. So I wanted to tell you guys that are listening 
right now on the radio, whatever city you're in, we're in Nashville right now. I don't know where you are. You could be anywhere in the country. Send me whatever you think is dumb, either on Twitter, Good AM Liberty. You can tag us, uh, or you can send me an email. You can send that to Nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us. The .us part, very important. So you send me a submission. If we think it should make it in the 10 things that we talk about, uh, that we can do it on this show, and if people vote for it, you can get the Dumb Leap of the Year, and maybe your nominee gets to be Dumb Leap of the Year, and you'll get a trophy for submitting it. Yeah, this is for you. This is for the people. So if you don't know the rules, we will go through. We will list out things that are, in fact, dumb. We will talk about how dumb they are and why they are dumb, and then people in the Fed Haters Club who joined by going to joingml.com will vote on the dumbest thing, the one that wins, we will call Dumb Leap of the Week. And that's our story. That's And that's the dumbest thing. It is. It is. Okay. I reckon that means we could actually go into some things. There's nothing in the show notes here, Charlie, so uh, don't don't worry too much about that. But the first things we're going to start off with are going to be the things that you were sending me last night. My submission. Your submission for Dumb Bleep is number one, because that you are number one to me, oh. okay, after my wife okay, that's and good. my family and your God dog. and my dog. Yeah. yeah but other, after and them, yourself. You're, yeah, and then me, you are the first person after all of those <laughs> people. Yeah. All right. I feel good. I, feel good. <laughs> I just wanted to try and bump up your confidence yeah, a little bit feel, for today. Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was a shooting in Jacksonville, Florida, and apparently what Charlie has found is that it was, in fact, Ron DeSantis's fault that mm. the shooting happened. And it's because, like, starting this year, they're going to be teaching black history differently in some of the schools, and that's why the shooting happened. Apparently. Yeah. Charlie, tell me some of the stuff that you saw. All right. From Twitter, uh, eunuch Epstein or Ortiz <laughs> tweeted black leaders built a vigil today to honor the three black lives lost in Jacksonville to gun. Vi- You're going to Jacksonville. Um, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to go check this. it out. Yeah. I'm going to go confirm to gun violence yesterday. Governor DeSantis took advantage of their space mm. after banning black history, banning diversity and more. Mm, that's mean. I didn't realize that DeSantis banned black history and diversity. Yeah, you can't talk about black history anymore. No. Nothing. Don't even tell people that slavery ever existed. And he showed up in their space that they owned <laughs> somehow. Yes. In public. It was a safe space that they had set up. Uh, there's another one here. That's not it. That's Charlie, not all. There's more. Sent. Um, from Whitney Elise tweeted, the, the dissonance after banning black history signing off on the teaching of the benefits of slavery, eliminating state funding for DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, proudly announcing that Florida is where quote woke comes to die to stand in vigil of those who were murdered due to racism. Your rhetoric allows. So it's governor DeSantis's rhetoric that caused this murderous racism. Now are you, are you defending DeSantis because you, are wanting to vote for him for president, and that's all you're doing, just no, chilling for I'm the probably Santos not right going to vote for him for president. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who, who are you going to vote for? I don't know yet. Yeah. Let's see how it shakes out. See if the Libertarian Party does anything. I'm sure they will. I mean, right now, Vivek has my, mm. probably has my vote. Well, we'll see. I said right now. 
well, come Dumb Leap number nine, he might not. Oh. Because mm-hmm, uh, Vivek is Dumb Leap number nine. Ooh, how about that? Yeah. So the next thing, uh, we got another one. Steve Peoples, who works for AP. We'll talk about him in a bit. Ron DeSantis scoffed. You know what? Before we do this, you sent a video also. Yes. Uh, let me find that. I don't have it pulled up. What's up? This video is so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not that one. It's this one. Let's put it up here on the screen. Here we go. Video. Have, we have com- repeatedly told him what his rhetoric was going to do. And that is exactly what transpired on yesterday. This is absurd. It's ridiculous. He is one of the causes to this. This is an agenda that he has been pushing since he has gotten into office. He showed us who he was when he initially ran for governor saying, don't monkey this around. Don't monkey this up. Those type of statements. It only leads to things like this. We have leadership across this state, Republican leadership across who are doing everything to continually attack black lives, right? Okay. This is the agenda that he has been pushing right here. To attack black lives. Yes. Just murdering black people for being black. I don't know what the monkey comments are. Don't monkey this up. Can he not, can he not say monkey anymore? I don't know. That's weird. When I, I want to know when it happened that the, that the sign, the person sign signing what was happening got so involved in the newscast. If you can't see it right now, look at what's going on up here in the top left. This guy's almost getting cut out because they got to put this person. They might as well just like green screen her into the thing where that's, that's what we're going to do next. Mm -hmm. Start putting these people in the picture. Need a hologram of her. Actually. I'm serious. This didn't used to be a thing. It's weird to me. Well, see him up there. This is an agenda that he has been pushing since he has gotten. And do you have to do it with the same attitude of the person who's talking? That's what I'm wondering. CNN cares about inclusion. They want to make sure that people that can't hear or read can see. Okay. I got you. Something is going on. All right. Makes total sense. Total sense. All right. Let's go on to Steve Peoples. Ron DeSantis scoffed when the NAACP remember when the NAACP issued a travel advisory for spring (laughs) warning black people to use extreme care if traveling to Florida? This is why, you know, because they were going to be teaching history in a way that people didn't like. And that was uh, whether or not any slaves benefited from slavery or at least took things they they learned and then used them later on in life. We've already talked about whether or not that's a good thing to teach. Anyway, uh, this is one of the things that comes from that uh, a person, a neo-Nazi going to a dollar general and killing people. Mm-hmm. You know, they warned us just three months later. In fact, he just got out of Ron DeSantis's class. Mm-hmm. I think he probably did just three months later. DeSantis is leading his state through the aftermath of a racist attack that left three African-Americans dead. Black leaders in Florida and across the nation say they're outraged by his actions and rhetoric ahead of the shooting. And here is his story. Steve Peoples also said, the the tragedy cast a shadow across the Republican presidential campaign this week as candidates faced uncomfortable questions about the party's increasing appeal among white supremacists and the GOP's fight against the so-called woke policies on race and gender. Yes, this is all Republicans causing this to happen. Virtually, Just like the Democrats caused the Nashville shooting. Of course. Yeah. I'm sure they the, took responsibility. The woke for that. ideology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of the transgender shoot, shooter who killed kids at a Christian school. 
Yeah. Well, we'll never know. There's just no it's way. It's got to be the Democratic leader's rhetoric. Has to be. We can blame them. We yeah. can blame Bernie Sanders for the person shooting up a baseball field, I mean, right? The left's policies that are, you know, just growing the communist inside of their <laughs> party. Yeah, nurturing. You know? Exactly. It's got to be their fault. It's it's got to be the Democratic Party's fault. Virtually all of the candidates have embraced a similar message aimed at appealing to the GOP's white conservative base by downplaying the existence of racism in America and restricting LGBTQ rights. Who is Steve Peoples, by the way? Um, He's a husband, a father, uh, New Hampshire native, chief political reporter at the AP, and he wants you to know that the other side is not the enemy. (laughs) So thanks, Steve. That's great. <laughs> That's really backing that up. What's the other side? <laughs> I don't know. Not him. And in this one from earlier in the week, uh, Nikki Haley said to the vote for Joe Biden is a vote for President Kamala Harris. And I don't know if you knew this, Charlie, but that was racist mm. to say, because if you don't like Kamala Harris, it's because she's black and it means that you're racist. Yeah. And if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you're not black. All these things make sense to me. <laughs> All right, we don't have to uh, go any further. That's dumb belief number one. Let's move on to something else. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we're faced with a crossroads in life and we don't really know which path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change or feeling like your relationship needs a little love. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find the way forward. I've done therapy in the past and honestly, it helped me quite a lot. Changed my life, made me who I am today. And our co-host, Charlie, he's still using BetterHelp to this day. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. Uh, we'll talk about the Chicago mayor being mocked for suing automakers. Yes, once again, someone is suing Kia because their cars are getting stolen. <laughs> Yes, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson is facing backlash after filing a suit against Kia and Hyundai over claims they manufactured cars that lacked appropriate anti-theft measures, ultimately leading to a surge in car crimes. It's the car's fault. <laughs> it's the car. Now, they are calling this a defect, and there's something that they're trying to fix with it. I still wonder whether or not it is truly the car's responsibility to make it too hard to steal, or if it is, in fact, hear me out, I know crazy it's only wednesday but hear me out if it's the person who stole the car the car thief responsible not to steal the car he was in fact responsible for the cars getting stolen i don't i don't know we'll have to have a longer debate about this sometime it's like well i don't know you know it's just like it's the woman's fault for what she wears (laughs) you know of course yeah it can't be the guy's fault who Mm -hmm. raped her no it's got to be the fact that she was wearing a short skirt if she would have just been wearing, you know, loose fitting clothing mm-hmm. and didn't have her makeup done and hair, you know, was in a ponytail or something, she looked unattractive. Let me ask you this. <laughs> the shooting in Jacksonville, was that Dollar General's fault? Probably. Because I don't see any, I don't see any of these people blaming Dollar General for making their stores too easy for people to get killed. In. Yeah. They you only, know? they only victim blame when it works in their favor. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. By the way, I'm being totally sarcastic. 
<laughs> Magoo says, what was the car wearing? <laughs> That's the thing. It had a Kia logo. What was the he car was wearing? Asked, he was asking for it. Yeah. Johnson's office announced a lawsuit last week alleging that both companies failed to include industry standard engine immobilizers in several models of the vehicles, which resulted in a steep rise in crime. In fact, it was the people stealing the car that re- I don't it's, it's kind of like a gun. There is a gun sitting right there. It's literally right there. I'm, I'm pointing at it. OK, that gun potentially right, we don't know. Yeah, for sure. that, that gun right there is real. OK, now it's just going to sit there. And it, in fact, it's been sitting there for a long time. You know, you can see it on video. Uh, actually, yeah, you can. <laughs> Technically, you can you find the gun in Charlie's video if yeah. you want to do that. So there's a gun sitting there. It's not doing anything. And in fact, a car that does not have an industry standard engine immobilizer installed in it properly will just sit there and not get stolen until someone comes up until to it and steals it. Someone okay? steals it. It yeah. takes a car thief. To take advantage of such a thing. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's going to be dumb bleep number two, the Chicago thing. Dumb bleep number three. We'll caution some of the rhetoric here. This is from Breitbart, and I typically won't pull things from them, but they had a good screenshot. And so <laughs> that's what that is one of the criteria. And in this case, the screenshot was more important than the truth. Uh, or the context or whatever, uh, or the rhetoric. I'm sorry, but Zelensky wants some money. Charlie, can you imagine Zelensky wanting mm-hmm. money? You go ahead. That's number sense. three. Zelensky says he won't hold elections unless the U.S. and EU pay for them. So an interview 51st state, apparently in an interview published by the president's office on Sunday evening. Zelensky said that he would be willing to hold elections despite the ongoing martial law amid the war with Russia as law. So long as the U.S. and EU bankroll the voting process. The Ukrainian leader said that elections during peacetime t- typically cost around $5 billion. Hervnia. Hervnia. Yervnia. Yeah, I guess that's their currency. Some kind of dumb Ukrainian word. Yeah. That's about $135 million, but did not speculate as how much more money they would cost during a war. Though, presumably, it would be much higher. Probably like $150 billion, mm-hmm. I bet. Or Hervnia. Exactly. I would say probably $150 billion. Yeah. U.S. dollars. Yeah, yeah. it's going to cost a lot more. Zelensky said that he discussed the topic of funding for the 2024 elections with U.S. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. What a great guy. Who has been one of the staunchest supporters of spend, spend, uh, sending more aid to Ukraine on Capitol Hill. I told Senator Graham, if the United States and Europe give us financial support, I'm sorry, I will not hold elections on credit. I will not take money from weapons and give it to elections either. But if you give me this financial support, if the parliamentarians realize that we need to do this, then let's quickly change the legislation. And most importantly, let's take risks together. Mm. We're in this together. Uh, Observers should be in the trenches. I told him observers must be sent to the front line so that the elections are legitimate for us and for the whole world, as this is absolutely fair. For whom? For him. Okay. Yeah. I got you. I'm sure they're going to spend everything the most efficient manner Mm -hmm. possible. Well, they just need to do send those dominion chains over there. Yeah. But not (laughs) even like they don't even want weapons. They want cold, hard cash. They don't want credit or anything either. It looks like Dominion could do it with their settlement from Fox News. They should be able to bankroll this on their own. Exactly. Carlson's going to pay for this. (laughs) Okay. 
number three. I mean, just think about how I agree with Tom. Can we send Lindsey Graham to Ukraine? It's not just the weapons that we give them or any of the money. Now it's like, it's Charlie. It's, it's mine. It's the people listening in the fed haters club. It's the people listening on the podcast. It's your responsibility to work at your job all day and then give a portion of that to the government of Ukraine so they can have some extremely free and fair elections, I bet. Mm-hmm. Also, why do elections cost that much? It's a lot. Mm. How many people are voting and what do they need to do to what, vote? What is the vote? What's the cost per person there? What's the ROI on this vote? I don't know, but it seems like we need to start some type of voting business. Number four, California Attorney General sues school district for requiring schools to notify parents about students' gender transitions. Okay, cleverly worded title. They are talking about people using different names and identifying differently. It's not like they're taking hormones or having, you know, breast removal surgeries or anything. So they're talking about people changing their names and identifying differently. But uh, California Attorney General Rob Bonta filed a civil rights lawsuit against a school district on Monday to halt its recently adopted policy that requires schools to inform parents about student gender transitions. Bonta announced earlier this month that he launched an investigation into the school district, which represents 26,000 students in San Bernardino County. After district officials passed a policy in July that requires teachers to inform parents within three days if their child uses names and pronouns different from their birth certificate or request to use school facilities or join sports teams opposite of their gender. You just said that you need to tell the parents Mm -hmm. like, hey, uh, Karen, you don't need to go to the the boys basketball game to see your kid. You go to the girls basketball game and to Johnny see your kid. It's going by Susie. Yeah. Yeah. That is a civil rights violation. Yeah. And he chose number 69 <laughs> right there for his Jersey for quote, her Jersey quote. Every student has the right to learn and thrive in a school environment that promotes safety, privacy, and inclusivity. The kids have more privacy than even people do these days from their parents. Yeah. Apparently regardless of their gender identity, Bonta said in a news release, State's Attorney General argued the district's forced outing policy discriminates against the privacy rights of LGBTQ plus students and the California Constitution. What rights do kids have? Now, I don't think that forced, I don't think this is forced outing because if the school knows about it, then the the kid's out, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like a, a total secret at that time, in my opinion. Like, if the kid doesn't want to ever tell anyone, that's one thing, but if you're changing your name at school and changing all the pronouns that people have to use. Can you not look at your kids homework anymore? Pretty much out at that time. Can you like, what if they write their new gender name on their homework? Can you not look at their homework? I don't know. The problem is they assume that I get it. Some parents uh, would uh, potentially react. They say safety. And so they're, they're just assuming that you've got an unsafe home now, they could mean like emotional safety and mental safety and all that. Maybe you have an unsafe home, but they're assuming that all the parents are going to be uh, reacting this terribly. And uh, by the way, it's just it's the parents' kids. It's literally their kids. You're just a school district. You're a random school district based on the address of the person's home that the kid is going to. You're random people that 
went through college and got a teaching degree, something I freaking did, except for my piano recital, so I don't have it. Okay, not good at piano. Um, and and you're, you've got more rights over the parent I than the parents do? I just find it really weird that they are just going, like, they're like grooming these kids, basically. It's, mm, it's disgusting. We're going to have to censor that out. We can't say groomer. It's so right? disgusting. Can't say that. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about that Gadsden flag controversy. A lot of people saying dumb economic things as well. All coming up on Liberty at Night. The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a forward by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. What's up? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Chuck on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. And right now we're about halfway through Dumb Bleep of the Week. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Daily Wire has been busy today. You know, Daily Wire has really nice screenshots. <laughs> Once again, they're very clean. They're not full of ads and crap like that. Uh, this is one that's been very viral over the last uh, day or so. Have you seen this I video? Haven't. Connor Boyack posted it out, and it went very viral. Connor is the one who does the Tuttle Twins. He's been on the show before. He got he posted this out here. Colorado seventh grader kicked out of class for Gadsden patch because of slavery origins. Mm. Now there is a video associated with this. Charlie, have you seen this video? I have not. Neither have I. Okay, here we go. And so let's see what happens. Do they know what the Gadsden flag is? That it's a historical flag? The reason that they do not want the flag, the reason we do not want the flag that way, is due to its origins with slavery and slave trade. That is what was, that's the reasoning behind them. The Gadsden flag. The don't tread on me. Okay. Which is the Gatsby Club? He's, what's going to happen if he doesn't take it off? He, I mean, he is able to go, like, I just want him to go back to class. The bag can't go back. It's got a patch on it, because we can't have that in and around other kids. Yeah, it has nothing to do with slavery. That's, like, the Revolutionary War patch that was okay. displayed when they were fighting the British. Maybe you're thinking of, like, the Confederate <laughs> Okay, I, so I'm here to enforce the policy that was provided okay. by the district. Definitely, you have every right to not agree with it. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm so-, so they say that they can't allow it uh, because of its origins with slavery, which it doesn't. It doesn't have any origins. I mean, it is an antebellum flag (laughs) prior to the Civil War. So is the American flag. (laughs) Yeah, that's next. Hang it. You can see it in the video. That's next. America was started when there was slavery. So I'm surprised they're allowing the American flag to be hung in that room. It's absolutely ridiculous. And the funnier thing is that the person who said it, like, oh, because of its origins with slavery and the slave trade, like, she has no idea what she's talking about. Now, Gadsden, I believe, did have slaves, but once again... There's an American flag back there, and we're in America. And in fact, basically every country that you go to, you'll be able to say the same thing. What's the the flag in, in Britain, like the Union Jack or whatever they call it? Mm-hmm. You're just going to be able to say this about everything. You can't just pick and choose which ones you're not going to allow. She's right. The actual origins, when this was being used, they did carry it during the Revolutionary War. You know, you see people carrying 
flags out there. Old Betsy had her flag, and old Gadsden's flag was out there as well. Those racists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They did let him back in after all the backlash. And in fact, I think Connor posted out another video, or it was a screenshot. The next day, he went to school wearing <laughs> like a Revolutionary <laughs> War <laughs> hat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice but this yeah reminds me a, of the patriot yeah yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> that's cool that's cool uh anyway totally ridiculous and what a lot of people are pointing out online is that well they allow uh black lives matter patch if someone had a patch like that they allow a um the rainbow flag patch mm. or whatever maybe we just shouldn't allow any of them or maybe we should just allow whatever or can they set rules on what they want to allow and not allow? Can you? Have of course, a, they can set rules on what they want to allow. Can you have a hammer and sickle patch? <laughs> you probably could. You probably could. No, no one would problem. say anything about it. But yeah. if you wore a Nazi flag now, that'd be different. Because mm-hmm. they want people with super high death tolls. They don't want those little BS death tolls, you know. Right. They want as, as many people dead as possible, apparently. So anyway, totally ridiculous. I don't remember what dumb bleep number this was. Dumb bleep number five i mean i happen to be a big fan of the don't tread on me flag your license plate <laughs> my, my plate is literally the don't tread on me thank you tennessee for Gadsden. having really cool yellow license plates i guess can you pull into a school parking lot not that one <laughs> i don't know i guess i'm allowed to go anywhere in in tennessee but not in colorado but we got a gas and flag right there behind behind charlie you can see it was even another one right mm. over there Surrounded by racism. Just racism everywhere. Tom says he have he has one on his chicken coop. How about that? Yeah. On the chicken coop. Chickens want freedom. <laughs> Better open up that coop, Tom. Okay, number six. Uh doesn't go to Vivek, it goes to Eminem. I did see this. Mm-hmm. Eminem doesn't want Vivek Ramaswamy to use his music anymore. Now they he had a, the ability to do that uh because BMI allows you to use music like you can pay him a little fee or whatever they have a blanket license Mm -hmm. for our politicians to use music here you go chuck yeah so eminem wants vivek ramaswamy to stop using his song sending a letter to revoke the license ramaswamy's campaign had made with the music licensor bmi ramaswamy wrapped eminem's lose yourself at the iowa state fair in early august on the 23rd of August, a representative for BMI informed Ramaswamy's lawyer that Eminem objected to the Ramaswamy campaign's use of Eminem's musical compositions, adding that Eminem wanted BMI to remove all Eminem works from the agreement. This letter serves as a notice that the Eminem works are excluded from the agreement effective immediately. BMI will consider any performance of the Eminem works by the Vivek Vivek. 2024 campaign from this date forward to be material breach of the agreement for which BMI reserves all rights and remedies with respect there too. Ramaswamy later responded tweeting, will the real slim shady please stand up? He didn't just say what I think he did. Did he? It would have been funnier if he just said he didn't just say what I think he did. Did he? The first part was way Mm -hmm. too cheesy. The second part would have just been way cooler, Mm -hmm. but you know, in college, Ramaswamy had performed raps under the stage name Davek, often rapping Lose Yourself. He reportedly also performed the song during a vacation to Canada at a karaoke bar. Mm. So the man's a rapper. You think he is allowed to... Now, what if a video surfaces of him doing karaoke? Like, is he banned specifically? It's just I'd, a campaign, right? But what if he go, personally goes out with friends to I really a karaoke bar? I, I also want people to know that <clears throat> Eminem pulled his work for, for everybody. 
Yeah. Not just Vivek. Oh, did they? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. He wrote a letter. To, so the letter to BMI says remove Eminem's works from this license. And the license is a blanket license for all political candidates. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So no one can use Eminem's songs now, which by the way, Eminem doesn't let anyone use his songs, not even movies or anything. Hardly. Mm-hmm. Like he's very protective over that. Um, Exclusive. Yes. So I don't know if this is specifically targeted at Vivek. Well, it was definitely marketed to me on Twitter as being specifically tar- targeted at Vivek. Uh, when I looked into it, basically, Eminem told BMI to remove his music from that license. Okay. That license, all political campaigns use. It's a blanket license. Mm, okay. Yeah. Not just Vivek specifically. Well, look at that. Yeah. I'm shocked right now. I'm shocked that I know more about one thing than you. I, I normally, you know, I like to dig into stuff and figure out why it's not actually a dumb leap. You know, there's a couple yeah. things it's that still I, dumb that Eminem pulled it. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things that I, that, well, I, but I would also understand, you know, as uh, Republicans buy sneakers too argument, like I don't want any political people using my music because then people might confuse that as an endorsement and then I could lose some fans. Mm-hmm. So if you're just thinking money, let's just not make this a political thing. Yeah. Then that sent me down mm-hmm. another rabbit hole, by the way, which uh, apparently Drake dissed Eminem recently. I'm not up and on then that. Eminem dissed him back and it was not pretty. Do you follow TMZ? No. Okay. No, this all happened on TikTok and uh, okay. Google. What What was the diss? Well, I don't remember it now, but <laughs> it, let's just say Eminem won okay. handedly. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Well, let's move on from my stupid dumb bleep that wasn't really a dumb bleep now. And uh, number seven, Joshua Reed Eagle is not the dumb bleep. He actually uh, been crushing it on Twitter most of the time lately. And uh, <laughs> he was responding to someone... They say, which is why we oppose capitalism. Josh says, capitalism is the only economic system built on voluntary exchange. Please try again. He's right about that. Chum the Water says, libertarian. Capitalism is voluntary exchange. Also libertarian. Get a job or die. What's the alternative, by the way? I don't know. Let's say we had no economic means of exchange whatsoever. I've said it plenty of times. The alternative is that you force someone else to do the work for you and give you things. And that's better, apparently, to some people. Like prior to systems, human beings existed. Mm -hmm. What did they do? Oh, they went out and hunted and they planted food. What is that? That's work. Work? Yeah, that's work. Are you, that's work. And so... So even before systems, you had to work or die. Like, you had to get a job or die. Mm-hmm. The same thing. They just... We didn't call it a job. You didn't fill out a thing. You right. didn't pay taxes to the government. You know, you did your employer. Nobody interviewed you. Yeah, you weren't paying in the FICA and all this kind yeah. of stuff. So, But you, you just, were still working. You just had to walk over a set of hot coals, yeah. and then you were a man, and you could join the hunts. That's <laughs> it. So this person, Phoenix, whatever, responds to that and says, what would happen if we were living in the wild? Could you not work and live? Uh, Chum the Water says, I think there wouldn't be people working at jobs they hate. Then go live in the freaking wild. <laughs> God. So Chum the Water's response to what if we just lived in the wild? What would that be like? And he said, well, people wouldn't be working at jobs that they hate. Okay. And so well, then I said, what if they hate hunting for food and looking for water and building shelter? To which they didn't respond. But, of course. Uh, some people 
liked it and thought that it was pretty good yeah. uh, because you might not in fact enjoy doing all of those things going out and killing your food or growing your food or trying to find your water source and fighting with people over it and killing each other so you can have the water source and people are pooping upstream and you can't get them to stop doing it and they're contaminating your water and they're turning to frogs gay and then the in fact most people don't like it no. by the way which is why we built all of this yes it's <laughs> true they didn't. Yeah. They weren't just like, oh, yeah, I want to do something I don't like. Right. No, they didn't want to do that, and so they started doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. If you want to go live in the woods, go live in the woods. Hundred percent support. I'm going. Uh, well, I don't want to live in the woods though, so I'm not going to mm. go. Okay. Uh, now we've made so it. That was all number the way. seven. That was Socialism. number seven. This is number eight. Now, maybe at first you wouldn't say that this is dumb. In fact, I'm sure we disagree with this law in uganda i'm sure we do but it's the way that they said it that's not that great from cnn right now um two men in uganda are facing separate charges of aggregated homosexuality aggravated an offense punishable by death under the country's controversial new anti-gay laws now charlie what would what would be your assumption based on this headline that those two men were together What's your overall assumption with the situation? Draw it out for me in as much detail as you possibly can down to the body part. Kidding about that. <laughs> Kidding about the, that, that these two men were caught <clears throat> having sex with each other. Were they aggravated? About aggravated. It? I don't know what happened. Aggravatingly. Because they got controversial new anti-gay laws. Hmm. And so they're out looking for, for gay dudes. Yeah. That's a real thing around the world. I'm not in favor of it. It's yeah. dumb in itself to have laws against homosexuality that could be punishable by death. Yes. Or punishable in any way. Right. You know, you shouldn't do that. I've been the countries before where you couldn't be gay. Okay. And I was traveling with a gay person and we had to make sure she didn't do any gay shit while we were there. <laughs> okay. You know how yeah. difficult that was. Yeah. Morally. You're like, don't, that looks yeah. gay. So <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Anyway, if you look at the um, context here, one of the men is charged with raping a disabled man and the other one is charged with raping a minor. Oh. Yeah. Not someone who is digging for coal, someone who is underage, just yeah. so you know. Right. You know, because we're, if you're listening right now. The rich men north of Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> minor. Did you see he was on Joe Rogan today? I did. Yeah. Crazy. I haven't watched it yet, but I did see I was that. listening to it beforehand. Yeah. Pretty good so far. Oh, so it turns ride. out there's <clears throat> two separate incident like two separate crimes yeah yeah and one man was raping a disabled man and the other man was raping a child yes <laughs> and <sighs> they both should die actually yeah. anti-gay yeah. laws mm-hmm. or lead this is what it's going to lead to no both you of know? those men should actually <laughs> face the death penalty like i said listen we I'm don't against the death penalty actually but i think if you could prove <clears throat> beyond a reasonable if you could prove, like, prove, prove, prove it, mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Now, I think the, maybe the, first off, the headline is meant to just say, oh, look, people are getting put to death for being gay. That's what the headline says, and that's why it's dumb. It's not exactly what it says, but that's what it leads you to believe. Uh, some uh, gay people were having gay sex, and now they're going to get sentenced to death in Uganda. And that might, in fact, happen, and we disagree with any of the anti-gay laws that they have, of course. But the actual story is, oh, this guy raped a disabled man, the other one raped a child, and now they're going to get 
now they're going to get put to death for doing this. I would say that the gay part is what pushed it from like a normal rape punishment up to a death sentence mm-hmm. type punishment. It's probably the the gay part. We said gay a lot in this. Yeah. Uh, well, it's about a gay law. It is about a gay law. Or it, sorry, anti-gay law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's number eight. Which makes it gay. <laughs> number <laughs> nine. <laughs> number nine. Speaking of, Vivek Ramaswamy, who Charlie endorsed <laughs> at the not. beginning. Charlie Thompson from Good Morning Liberty endorsed Vivek Ramaswamy. I didn't say I endorsed him. And I just said of all the potential candidates currently this running. This tweet had already gone out. And he still endorsed them after right. Vivek had sent out this tweet. I'm clarify. <laughs> after I'm going to clarify. Well, I was asked who I was going to vote for because I wasn't going to vote for Ron DeSantis. Okay. And I said, I have all the candidates running currently mm-hmm. who's going to be on the ballot because I don't know who the Libertarian Party ticket's going to be or anybody else that may enter the race. Vivek probably is the one I mostly align with. Okay. But I haven't read this yet. So. Charlie, the the gist of this is, he says, I am the only presidential candidate willing to state what is necessary. We will defend Taiwan. The U.S. currently doesn't even recognize Taiwan as a nation. Democrats and Republicans both unquestionably endorse the one China policy and embrace strategic ambiguity toward the island. No other presidential candidate is willing to commit to militarily defending Taiwan. And in December 2016, Trump was roundly derided for violating diplomatic protocol for the high offense of answering a congratulatory phone call from Taiwan's president. By contrast, I favor strategic clarity. Defend Taiwan vigorously until the U.S. achieves semiconductor independence. By the way, we're literally going to go to war to to protect the semiconductor factories Nvidia. in Taiwan. They're not even we're not, and now at least it's, it's not Nvidia. the people. It's not the people. <laughs> it's actually the Taiwan semiconductor main, TS whatever the thing is probably. Mm, you know uh, the thing. TSC you know the. Yeah. So at least he's being truthful about this because when it comes to Ukraine we're like, "Oh, democracy." You know, we hold this thing of we're just protecting democracy. Vivek is literally saying, "Hey, there's a lot of semiconductors in Taiwan, and we will literally put the military in front of them defending those against China because we have to. So. It's ridiculous. It is. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. This is dumb. He lost my vote with this tweet. On that right there. That right there. Because I'd heard him on Ukraine. And I was like, okay, there's one guy up there who said we don't need to send any more money to Ukraine. Turns out. Because he wanted to send it to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. You know, he's and, got better priorities. And willing to go to war with China mm-hmm. over Taiwan. Now I get it. Which I mean, they make spaceships too, yeah. as we know from Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> they make the components for them. Right, right. All the components. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just watched that last weekend. And they're easy. To, you can make them work yeah. pretty easily. That just hit them is, with a wrench. That movie's so ridiculous. <laughs> Freaking Michael Bay, man. Just. Uh. Things blowing up all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful piece of film, and I I love Bruce Willis and all the other people in that. But my God, is that a really terrible movie? It's, <laughs> it's like factually not accurate. I yeah. would say just not great. And you see all the 
the explosions with the sparks like yeah. they did in the 90s you yes. know everything yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> if a piece of metal lands on another piece of metal it's gonna blow up mm-hmm. that's just the way it is yes okay anyway i get the idea you want to project your strength and you want to say yeah yes we will defend them militarily yes we will use troops we'll do whatever and then that's supposed to deter china uh, but what if it doesn't work and then they go to do it you know then you're you're literally saying that you go to war to protect them. And I don't understand how that's constitutional. And I don't understand how it's moral. A lot of things I don't understand about this. Yeah, I didn't see protect semiconductor plants at all costs in the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. National interest. I mean he says you know? that he says that uh our way of life depends on leading edge semiconductors manufactured in Taiwan. And we can't risk China gaining near total leverage over the entire U.S. economy. Now, look, is China a good place? No. Mm-mm. It's a total dictatorship there. It's tyranny. I don't like it. Yeah. They have the social credit score. They have all kinds of crazy things over there. Okay? It, it, China's not a good country. They even, eat government, bat, they even eat bats over there. Yeah, the government's not good. They develop viruses that kill millions of people mm-hmm. that we fund. Yeah. By the way, um, potentially. You know, we don't know. Um, But the fact that we're willing to go to war with them over semiconductor plants, I mean, that's just wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Should we consider war over the fact that their freaking virus just killed like millions of people around China just killed millions of people around the world? If we're not considering war over COVID, (laughs) yeah, but we are over semiconductor chips. You're literally talking about millions and millions of people died because of something that clearly was developed in china we're not even talking about that it's the semiconductors and i get it semiconductors are super important but you know what it means here's and it would be terrible for the economy it would be really bad for the market all that stuff i get it be really bad but what it really means is we just have to use the semiconductors that we have right now for like a couple years or something while we're building some more plants you know yeah instead let's just let's just take all of your money and send it over there. Maybe even throw some American troops in harm's way too. Who cares? You know, it's just China. Mm -hmm. They got the biggest Navy in the world. They got a lot of stuff out there. Allegedly probably fake boats out there. Also China's a nuclear power. Yeah. I don't think we should go on war with those people. All right. Get your votes in gold. Darn it. (laughs) One through nine. They go over them right now. Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. Number one was the Jacksonville shooting was Ron DeSantis' fault. Number two, was suing Kia for car thefts. Number three was Zelensky saying they can have elections if we pay for them. Number four, the California AG suing that school district because they would tell your parents if you were going to change your name. Uh, number five, the Gadsden flag situation. Uh, number six was Eminem and Vivek. Number seven was that dumb socialists saying dumb things. Number eight was the CNN Uganda headline. And number Nine was Vivek on China. Ooh, we have a split crowd currently. Yeah, tell them what they tell them tell them what they get for. Uh oh, now we're tied. I know. Someone gonna have to start pulling votes. Mm. Gonna have to start pulling votes we're from tied something. between Zelensky and the Gaston flag. Now oh. Gats, Gaston flag. Okay. Now we've moved. Looks like the Gadsden flag pulling in the lead. You can go Look to these last in these last mail in ballots coming in <laughs> quickly. 
Got a late night ballot dump happening right now. Yeah. Uh, go to God hates feds. God hate God hates feds dot com. Take the God hates feds shirt. Okay. Nailed it. I'm probably going to cut that one just though at the end of every episode. Yeah. I would that say perfect. That way we don't have to say anything yeah. else. You know, he sounded like a mixture of <clears throat> Glenn Beck and, <laughs> and Ben Shapiro and, Fer- that, and Fergie and Jesus doing that ad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I hey, could have said it better myself. You know, I haven't told people you can go to free talk live. There's a podcast for that too. Listen to the other shows that are on there. And also you can listen to a three hour episode every Tuesday of the two of us, yours truly doing a three hour episode. And it's definitely not content you find anywhere else. And so you want to go to that podcast. It's live uh, because it also and gets free. sent out to the radio waves. Mm all over the country on Tuesday nights. Can you believe our voice floats on radio waves? I was thinking about Isn't radio. That cool. I was thinking about radio waves the other day. Mm-hmm. You know, what's crazy to me while the votes are coming in, by the way, the gas and flag situation. Looks Is that like not it's teleportation? No, listen, to in me. a way my radio, not that nice of radio, but it will tell you everyone's radio does. This, this is not a cool trick that Honda pulled or anything. It'll tell you what song is playing and who it's by. And that just came through some freaking thing in the air down into my, you know, your car's little shark fin antenna back there. Not only is it teleporting a song into my car, but even this data on top of it that tells it who did the song, what the name of the song is, like words. How does that work? I don't understand. We've had that technology for like a hundred years. Wild. Man. The things you just get used to and never really think about, you know. It is. I was just thinking about it the other day, reading the name of the artist on there. I'm like, how did they get the name of the artist in my car? <laughs> you know? It's not like Honda talked to the radio station today to put it to time everything out properly. It's craziness. Anyway, yeah. uh, the gas and flag situation is the dumb leap of the week. Coming up, we're going to talk economics and gun control. What is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. We are coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, talking about all kinds of stuff so far tonight. Uh, A lot of dumb stuff happened last week that we're talking about. Uh, Joe Biden doing a lot of crazy stuff, of course. We talk a lot about economics as well. Economics is one of our favorite things. We believe in free markets uh, because we believe in your personal freedom. We believe in individual liberty, free markets, free from coercion, because I don't have the right to tell you what to do no more than you have the right to tell me what to do. As long as we're not hurting people, we're not taking each other's stuff. This is a very different opinion from people like the Socialist Party, uh, they think that they can just take whatever they want of yours, like people in the uh, Socialist Party of Great Britain, where they lay out the scenario of Jack being a carpenter, his neighbor Jean being a baker. Jean needs her doors tightened. Jack says he'll fix them. Jean says she'll give him some cakes as a thank you. And they say that that is how a socialist society will work. And so the funny part about this, if we can actually be on point for a second here about the the actual funny part. I just realized that Gene's cake. <laughs> yes. The c- cake is what the kids use. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
for I had to cut all of this out of the shorts I made for yesterday because for you know it's inside jokes aren't as funny on YouTube shorts. You know, <laughs> I don't think this is an inside joke. I think it's a, I know. just a regular joke. So the funny part about this was the cell phone. I even circled down at the bottom. They got 86, 86 just standard retweets on it, which means kind of like, oh, yeah, I want to get this message out there. And then they got about 1600 quote tweets. And most of them are people making fun of them because what they just described was free trade bartering and essentially the basis of capitalism. Not socialism. Not not yeah. socialism. But 86 people were just as dumb as they are, so. That's pretty pretty good numbers, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, we're just, number one is just going to be Socialist Party of Great Britain, SPGB. All right, so they got a few things. A person on here said, that sounds more like a religion than an actual economic system. How do you address scarcity? So someone wants to know about scarcity. So they're actually having a conversation on under this. Oh, they go they they comment back and forth quite a bit. We've we've gone back and forth with them a bunch. Oh God, I can't believe they just didn't delete it. Oh no, it's it's out there. They're trying to fix it today. That's the last part of them. They tried to okay. revise. They tried to revise history just a little bit. They say scarcity can already mostly be ended. Mostly, the only reason people die from hunger deprivation, treatable diseases, dirty water, etc., is because capitalism produces for profit and people are too poor to buy what they need. Socialism will end artificial scarcity and produce an abundance. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So scarcity, the idea that we don't just have every single thing that every single person wants and needs, that can already be ended right now. And all this stuff that we've produced and invented would just magically happen. You would still would have happened mm-hmm. for sure. They literally, the, the only reason people are dying from hunger and treatable diseases is because of capitalism. And this goes back to that thing where you can take every single death, basically all the deaths, unless it's old age are because of capitalism, but they won't even take that hundred million number from from socialism because that's not real socialism. Mm, that's right. <laughs> Continuing on with SP, but also, I mean, real quick, also yep. like you like you said, we just assume that all of this stuff would still be here. You know, like we still have diseases out there that aren't treatable because somebody hasn't come up with a treatment yet for them. Why don't the socialists just do that? I don't know. That's 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 the biggest like, thing. There are socialists out there. Why haven't they just cured more diseases? Yep. Cancer should be done. The kid cancer. This should make some sides. <laughs> they need more sides. <laughs> okay. After that, now this is one to their, uh, you know, just to give them some credit. They deleted this one. Mm. I happened to have it in an email I sent myself. So luckily it was still there. But when I tried to get it, it's gone. All right. As, as 99.999% of today's crimes are down to capitalism. There would be no real need for police and judges in the role they have today. This is under under socialism. There may well be socialists who are trained for the rare occasions when serious crimes or situations that require such people might occur. So all, all almost all, yeah. except for 0.001% of crimes are because of capitalism. That's it. So they're not going to have police and judges, but they will be people that are trained to take care of those situations when they do occur. I guess they just won't call them police and, and judges. Lots of training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there'd be no knees on necks or <laughs> anything like that. No. It would be 
It would be a very nice. Which, honestly, how much training does it take to put someone in a gulag anyway? Like, the, there's, you can get anyone to do that, <laughs> honestly. And then uh, they revised their latest tweet because it did go pretty viral. I even saw Ben Shapiro retweeted it <laughs> yesterday. So they revised that first one, and they said, So Jack's a carpenter. His neighbor, Gene's a baker. Gene has some doors with loose hinges. Jack says he'll fix them and doesn't want anything for it. I don't Just want anything. Compassionate neighboring. Yes. Gene says she'll give him some cakes anyway as a gift, even though she doesn't have to. How can anyone think that that's capitalism? <laughs> so what they did was they've changed the situation now to where Jack says, no, I don't want anything. I'm going to do it completely for free. And Gene says, sir, I will not allow you to do this for free. I must give you this as a thank you. And that is what they say will occur under socialism. Now, that's that's not what they said in the in the first tweet. They said Jack can fix this. And Gene says that she'll give him a cake as a thank you. But now that everyone clearly tore that one apart easily, um, they, they've changed it. OK, just a, just a little bit. All right. It's still capitalism, by the way. It's still, it is. It's, it's it's still voluntarily trading. Now, what they're what they're assuming here, they even put in the pictures fixed for free <laughs> given as a gift. Did they pay gift tax on that. <laughs> you see, I think anytime you go to Starbucks. So now know, Jack has to pay gift tax. I give gotta- Starbucks a gift of $5 for the coffee. You know, they give you the coffee for free and the coffee's free. <laughs> now what they're asserting is that Jack still would have fixed the door for free, but you went down the line on this yesterday and said, well, Jack's knows a lot of people that need their doors fixed, you know, and Jack has needs too. Let's not forget men have needs, ladies and Jean understands the needs of a man. Trust me. Okay. That's why she has all that cake. <laughs> and so would he still go fix it for free? Maybe he might fix jeans, but what about the next person and the next person? And what if someone in that neighborhood doesn't know how to tighten up hinges? All right. What if it's a full neighborhood full of women, you know, and they just can't figure it out. They're just a bunch of cake bakers and that's all they know how to do. No one can tighten a hinge on a door with a it's, screwdriver. And they say they don't need men. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Dumb leap number one, Socialist Party of Great Britain. Yeah. We appreciate, as always, the free content. And you're right, Bailey. It's, yeah, it's the same reasoning Bernie used when he gives you a free book if you buy a ticket to his presentation. It's the same thing. Just like free shipping with Amazon. The shipping's free. You just have a membership. That's all you got. Well, and who's next? The Bernie's next. Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> nice segue into, mm-hmm. into Bernie. There's a little bit of a video here. I'm, you know, I was going to, you know, listen to Charlie's Bernie impression. I love Bernie. But his, read this tweet here for us, I guess. All right, Bernie tweets. So that was Dumb Bleep number one, is the Socialist Party of Great Britain. Dumb Bleep number two is old BS. He tweets out, if you've got $5 billion, do you really need to step on people in order to get another $5 billion? When is enough going to be enough for these guys? These guys. Sexist. Gosh. All right. I think there's any women billionaires. I think this is probably him saying the same thing. The people on top 
are really obsessed with greed. Look, it's understandable. Everybody wants to have more money. You want to live a good life. That's natural. We all do. But if you have $5 billion, do you really need to step on people in order to get another $5 billion? How much money do these people need? And then you... But it's not just inequality in terms of money. Okay, so just this basic idea. First off, we could easily say, well, doesn't Bernie have enough money? First off, why does he get to say $5 billion? When does When is enough enough? Does he, hasn't he stepped on enough people to get the millions of dollars that he has? Mm-hmm. You know, did he really need to get paid again for another? Why isn't he just going around doing these uh, book tours for free? Why, yeah, or just writing a book out of the graciousness of his own heart. So he, he decided that, you know, he needs more money. So the, the main issue I had with this was the person's got $5 billion. Do you really need to step on people to get the, another $5 billion? That is a, a complete disconnect from how one obtains a worth of $5 billion. And now, if I thought that everyone who had $5 billion, let's put on our socialist hat. It's my socialist hat. If I thought that everyone who had $5 billion had just stepped on, raped and pillaged to get to that $5 say, billion, what is this, the 1500s? Yeah. <laughs> then I would probably feel the same way that he does about them stealing a, another $5 billion from It'd people. It would be Robin Hood. Yeah. It would be like, oh yeah, well, the rich, this isn't fair because the rich are rich from stealing, not from actually providing value. And so I think a lot of the... Um, I think a lot of that disconnect comes from how socialists or democratic socialists or people on the left view the way that you get money or that you get worth. They think that you can only get it from stealing from people, which is not the case. A really good example up until the last few years when Tesla actually became profitable was that Musk was worth, let's just say, $50 billion from Tesla Tesla was worth however many billions of dollars and they had never profited any money. Okay. Now a lot of people would say, well, Musk was only worth that money because he was stealing from the workers of Tesla, but the workers of Tesla had never produced a profit. He was only worth and that they money got paid. and they still got paid. Yeah. He was running in the negative. And so they think that he got that by stealing. In fact, he got it because he owned a company And other people who invest money into companies had deemed that company to be worth that much money, that that was it. And so his idea that you'd have to step on people to get another five billion is just incorrect. Yeah. And we can always use the Milton Friedman quote, which is, it's always the other person Mm -hmm. who's greedy, not you. Like you, you want, you know... 90%, because that's the argument. Let's go back to 90% tax rates. You want 90% of this guy's $5 billion to go into the system. Well, to help people because you're virtuous. That's all the government does is help people. But still, you're wanting to steal 90% of this guy's worth just because, and it's not because you're greedy. It couldn't be. Mm -mm. Except that's, that's what it is. You're envious. It's actually probably not greed. It would be envy. You're envious that Others have what you do not, and rather than trying to reach that level or reach a level that you're comfortable with, you'd much rather try to bring that person down to your level because it's not fair. I believe Ayn Rand said that envy was just greed for the unearned. 
pretty good right there. That's, you know, only she said it with a way thicker accent than that. You need a few words. Yeah. All right. That's number two, Bernie. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we're faced with a crossroads in life and we don't really know which path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change or feeling like your relationship needs a little love. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find the way forward. I've done therapy in the past, and honestly, it helped me quite a lot. Changed my life, made me who I am today. And our co-host, Charlie, he's still using BetterHelp to this day. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of greed, I wanted to make this quick point. This here chart is oil. The price of oil per barrel. Speaking of greed, it doesn't go directly along with what Bernie was saying, but I wanted to mention that is it truly the case that all of the oil companies decided not to be greedy anymore? Because what I see on this chart is oil that went from about $65 a barrel up to 120 It actually popped up to 130 at one point in time. This chart doesn't show that. Which Venezuela was happy. And then, yeah, and then all the way back down, to 65, that was down to 66 this morning before it started bouncing. And it, what happened? Were they only greedy on the left side of this chart? <laughs> and then everyone was like, okay, greed, done. We're done with it now. No one price gouge anymore. All that really changed was people's buying power. Just the market. That's all that changed. So I just wanted to throw that quick tidbit in because I used it in a conversation with someone earlier. Yeah. Number three is equal payday. So you want to describe what we talked about earlier in the week for equal payday? You want to start with this letter? I mean, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but, you know, just the synopsis of what we, your thoughts. Oh, well, it's not true. That's it. It's, well, okay. So the wokest leftist talking point, let's say, or even a lot of feminists out there who think that they earn less than men, uh, based on sexism alone, is wrong. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when you account for the variables, women make more. And so it's really not fair. Maybe I'm for equal payday, but I'm on the man side. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that I'm a white cis male talking about this, but just the facts. I like equal productivity day. I think men should be able to take the first three months of the year off until women catch up, you know? Uh, so on the uh, the list here for number three, we had that letter that we read earlier in the week. Uh, and you have the president of the United States agreeing with an eight-year-old. Yeah, probably got to be younger than that. Might be spelling six. errors and six, terrible handwriting. Five or six years old, yeah. If it's even a real kid, yeah. honestly. And if it is a kid, your parents suck, kid. I know you're probably listening right now, a big fan of the show. Don't be telling your kids about how they're not going to be able to get paid as much as men and in life or anything when they're young enough to not be able to spell and write properly yet, whatever age that is. Daisy from the live group says, you know, it was actually Biden who wrote that. (laughs) Probably was. That's how he spells. And then uh, the other thing was the, the screenshot we used from NPR saying that women have to work nearly 15 months to earn what a man earns in 12. And that's been true for decades. 
the reason they put, and that's been true for decades, is because it's not true. And they know it's not true, but they have to reassert that it's true just to reinforce their position mm-hmm. and, and gaslight you. So they had to put the words, this is true, in their actual post about it. Yeah. Something I noticed afterwards. So that's quick for number three, equal pay. That was quick. Number one, Socialist Party Great Britain. Number two, Bernie Five Billion. Number three, equal payday. And I went ahead and put the vote numbers out there just for you, Tom. That way, if you have to leave, you can stick a vote in before you leave. There you go. Okay. Even if we don't make it all the way through, you could at least vote for the you know the first eight. I like thinking ahead right there. See how nice I am? Good. How about that? Wow. Who just, says he doesn't provide any value? Who's saying that? Whoever said that? Um, Charles, we got a two-parter here for Everything is Racist. Um, this one from Pop Tings. <laughs> All right. They tweeted, hashtag the Little Mermaid trailer on YouTube is currently being mass disliked by racists. The recently re- released trailer has over 600,000 dislikes and the teaser trailer over 3 million dislikes. So somebody replied and said, not everything is related to racism. So Pop Tings wanted to reply to uh, karma is a fad and said systemic racism is actually ingrained into all social, political, economic, and legislative institutions. These institutions have naturalized and normalized racism into people that it almost becomes invisible. So yes, (laughs) this is racist because everything is racist. It has to be. There's no other explanation. That's what they thought it was a trailer. That's one of the parts. Now they did. It got disliked because the Little Mermaid is black, or or whatever. You know, people don't like change. People don't like change. That's one thing. Now, I personally, I don't. I specifically do not care when it's a fictional, made up fairy tale character. You can make mermaid purple. Don't I care. Don't really care. I only care. It's it's a half person, half fish. I'm actually upset that the Little Mermaid's not Asian. Who was for it? you? I'm mad for you. I'm, I've been waiting this whole time. Your Asian grandma just died. Yeah, and she didn't. Ha- she grew up her whole life without having herself represented in a fish girl. I know. She was afraid to identify as Asian her whole life, anyway. <laughs> you know, scared. So, um, listen. I don't think people should really care about this, but I do understand, and people should understand it, especially people on the left, or p- people say you're a member of a minority group, whatever that is, should understand, just to make a, a, a nuanced point here, I do think people like to see themselves represented somehow in lead characters in movies. If that weren't the case, then no one would ever care to change the color or sex or whatever of a character in a TV show or a movie. It is the case because that is the argument that people make that it is important for kids to see themselves as the hero or the main character in the movie, because that's what most of us do when we watch movies. And so if that is important, if that's important for uh, say a a little, uh, a black kid, like I see myself as the hero. That's also important for everyone, including white kids, that you want to see yourself as the hero or the main character in the movie. 
And so when people are like, oh, I don't like that they changed this character, people need to realize, well, it's totally fine. It's a fake character anyway. Like, who cares? But also, you can't just say that you care enough to change the character so people can see themselves, but then now all the other people who can no longer see themselves shouldn't care. That that argument, to me, those things mm. don't mix, in my in my opinion. I agree with Magoo. It's, a, it's an attack on red-headed white females. It is. Yeah. And not just because they're females. It's bad enough that they're females. Yeah, but the deal with being red-headed Red-headed also, and a female? I mean... They've had it hard enough. Exactly. You know? And now they're getting their mermaid taken away. Can't let them have one? They're getting their dolls taken away. Yeah. Uh, I, get, I get it. All right, coming up, we are going to talk about gun control policies that are currently being considered, that are being thrown out there by people on the left. We'll be talking with Benjamin Ayamian about this. Uh, we go through assault weapons bans, background checks, all that stuff. And guess what? They're not going to comply with the Second Amendment, and they're also not going to work. So coming right up on Liberty at Night. Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. We're going to talk about some gun control policies with our friend Benjamin Ianian, who is an innovation fellow at Young Voices and a commentator. Benjamin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Can I call you Ben? I didn't get permission beforehand. Is that okay? Yeah, Ben works okay. just fine. It'd be really awkward if you said no, by the way, so I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> All right. So today we're uh, we're talking and now you, you had this piece and uh, there was just a shooting last week or the week before now. Can't remember exactly when. And, and you were talking about some of the gun control policies that have been thrown out there. Uh, this was in the American Spectator, I believe. So give everyone a brief synopsis of what you're talking about. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, there have been calls by politicians, different figures in the media for an assault weapons ban. That seems to be the biggest wish for gun control advocates at the moment. Kamala Harris just tweeted the other day saying that, you know, we've done it before. We need to do it again. There's also a lot of rhetoric out there blaming Republicans um, for the deaths of children. Individuals in the administration have in the Biden administration have publicly asked how many more children need to die before Republicans do something, which insinuates that they are somehow to blame for the death of these children. And before we get into some of these policies uh, like assault weapons bans, isn't it just uh, kind of disgusting that we've gotten to this point where when people get murdered, you start blaming people? of a specific political party. This is going downhill pretty quick, right? Yeah, finger pointing is rarely the answer. I mean, I can't say it never is because both parties do some rather insane things. And I think they should be ridiculed when they do those things. But when there's a major tragedy, something that is so complex, such as gun violence, it's really disheartening to see the conversation directly go to, well, the blood of these children are somehow are on the hands of an entire political party. It's pretty difficult to have good faith conversations about how do we prevent tragedies like this? And if we can't completely eradicate them, what can we do to decrease their frequency or their severity if they do occur? But those conversations 
aren't going to be had if, if half of the debate is yelling, the blood is on your hands, it's your fault. Once we get past things like that and you start talking about actual policy proposals, it seems like when you bring the data in, people aren't particularly interested in that. They just want to do something. This person used two assault-style weapons, whatever that means these days. Uh, we know that they were rifles. When you look at the data and you look at the previous assault weapons ban, even the government itself kind of concluded that they, they couldn't show that the assault weapons ban reduced mass shootings. Yeah, the, the, the uh, Department of Justice funded a study um, after the 1994 to 2004 assault weapons ban, and Basically, they could not show that this had any type of effect on gun violence. And if it did, it's likely to be so small that it's immeasurable. And when you have different sites like a left wing site like Vox or even uh, the New York Times admitting that an assault weapons ban, that, that the studies on assault weapons bans really range from inconclusive to ineffective, it's you know really odd to see people on the left continue to push this idea of an assault weapons ban. Now, I think that that comes mostly from a top-down dynamic where politicians want to look like they're doing something. And most voters, I would say, aren't probably aren't particularly um, knowledgeable about the ins and outs of guns and all the statistics regarding gun violence. And so if you can have general support for an idea of banning assault weapons if people don't really know what that means, what it entails, what the effect would be. It's good for Democrats to stand up on their soapbox and say we need to ban assault rifles, even if it's not actually going to save lives. Let's say we were going to have an assault weapons ban. And I just want to preface this with saying I don't particularly like talking about my right to defend myself as if it is up for debate in the first place. I don't really even like going down that road because if we talk about whether or not it could save lives or it couldn't, that means that my rights would be determined by people that do bad things with those rights. I don't really like going down that, but let's entertain the notion for a minute uh, because it is what everyone's talking about. First off, it the first one didn't really do anything. It ended and people seem to think, well, it ended too quickly. They should have kept it going. But in our system of government, this is something people don't really mention. In our system of government, it is always going to change. They could put an assault weapons ban in place and 10 years later, someone else is going to be in control of the government and they'll end up taking it away again. And then people will say, well, uh, it didn't work because they took it away too quickly. And then we'll just keep going back and forth in that cycle. And we'll never talk about the real problem, which is bad people doing bad things. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a cop out to say that it wasn't in place long enough. But also you, you could say it was, it was poorly drafted. It, it didn't actually, you know, get rid of assault weapons like it intended. Like there's there's plenty of different things that people could say for why they think it needs to be tried again or differently. I don't think it would be constitutional. I don't think our right to defend ourselves with rifles is up for debate. I fully agree with you. Um, I just like to attack this topic from when I'm speaking publicly on it, I, I like to talk about it almost from a utilitarian standpoint of what would its effects be, because 
that's the arena that people who support it are arguing in. They want to say that this will help. And so the best way to convince them, I think, is to convince them that it won't um, because I can assert my rights all the time and, and they seem to not care too much. I definitely agree with you that it is a bit of a cop out to say it wasn't in, in place long enough. And if we implemented one today, you know, Republicans could come in power in just a couple of years and get rid of it again. And so we're not really at that point looking at solutions that will be longstanding and solutions that will ultimately have bipartisan support over time. And so that's just another reason why, to some degree, they're wasting their breath trying to enact this policy. The other thing that gets uh, really complicated is when you look at the data and so many people throwing different types of data out there, like there's been hundreds of mass shootings uh, this year already. If you go to this this K through 12 uh, school shooting database uh, that I just saw David Hogg tweeting a screenshot from yesterday, they'll tell you that there's been 104 school shootings this year, just in 2023. Now, I comb through a bunch of them, and they have school shootings that (laughs) included someone was being chased by the police, and they crashed near a school. They were being chased because they had fired shots into the air at one point in time, and then they were chased. They went into the school, and that's where the cops eventually apprehended them, and that's down on this list as a school shooting. Or there was a person, a 33-year-old man that was walking down the street, firing randomly. He was walking towards a school. They count that as a school shooting. That's not exactly what people are thinking about when they think about school shootings. And you can look at things like the Violence Project or the the gun violence. I can't remember the other one that that people use. I think it's the Gun Violence Archives. The Gun Violence Archives. And then there's one called the Violence Project. Well, the Violence Project will tell you that there's been four mass shootings this year. And that Gun Violence Archive will tell you there's been 150. 36 or something like that. So the way we count these things is not even consistent. When you look at different data, you're comparing apples to oranges, and it makes it really hard to to have a data-driven discussion about the topic. And another issue is when people think of mass shootings, right? What they're actually thinking about is active shooter events. Like it's a little bit not it's not dishonest when people want to list mass shootings and tally those up where i think it's at least three people are shot you know injured or killed um, not including the gunman but that you know that can change depending on where you're looking but an active shooter is a little bit different an active shooter is defined where where one or more shooters is attempting to kill you know like multiple unrelated people in a populated place so an active shooter would count as a school shooting um, if someone walked into a walmart and started firing that would be probably listed as an active shooter event um, what we saw in las vegas that's an active shooter event but so when we're looking at a mass shooting a lot of the data that you're going to see you know, come under that umbrella is going to be street violence. It's going to be gangs. It's going to be drug related shootings. Um, and so it does, I think, skew uh, the perception of the public when we talk about these mass shootings, but we don't actually define what type of events we're discussing um, because the risk that you have going into school every day or the risk that you have going, you know, into a mall on a random Saturday of being shot 
is extra ex- extraordinarily low. Um, but the way we talk about these events, we make them seem like they're a lot more common than they are. And that's not to say they're not a problem. And that's not to say that, you know, we shouldn't do what we can to decrease the frequency of the subset of events that we see occurring now. But we need to be able to have honest conversations about what's actually happening, not just try to play with fear tactics. Now, what about when it comes to the call to ban the, the large capacity magazines? I will say, so have you looked at the RAND Corporation's uh, studies on gun violence before? Absolutely. Yeah, so they seem to do a pretty good job. I saw the one that they published in January, I believe, this year. And they did say that there was limited evidence that a ban on large capacity magazines could reduce mass shootings. They said that they couldn't find evidence of the assault weapons ban, but limited evidence uh, for large capacity magazines. I don't think it's really, uh, in my opinion, that easy. I don't think People, I was going to say normal people, but I don't think people who don't fire guns often realize how quickly you can change out a magazine if you run out. Like it's not, it's not that hard to do. I believe you mentioned in your piece the Virginia Tech shooting, uh, which how many magazines did that person bring for the handguns? Um, yeah, if I remember correctly, he had 17 magazines for his handguns, and most of those held 10 rounds, which obviously would not be considered a, any by any means large capacity. Yeah, and that um, was 32 people. Combine shooters. Yeah, that's right. And I saw I see 32 people killed, and that was handguns with 17 magazines. We've done videos. I mean, we've been doing the podcast for several years now. I've done videos live where I switched out the magazine on my gun just to show how quickly you can actually do it. Um to me, that's just that's something for people who don't have a lot of experience with changing out the magazines on guns, in my opinion. So what could we actually what do you think we could actually do to solve this problem? I'll tell you here in Tennessee, the governor just signed an executive order and they're looking at high risk protection orders, red flag laws, although they don't want to call them that. And they specifically said they don't want to call them that even though that's what they are. And then working on the background check system, making it more extensive and uh, I believe updating the information on your background check quicker is one of the things they're supposed to work towards. Or are we just wasting time here? I mean, personally, I don't like red flag laws because I think that they violate your constitutional right to due process. I don't think that you should have your property taken away from you if you have not committed a crime. That is a one of many points of objections that I have to red flag laws. In terms of things like updating your background checks, updating the system more quickly. I mean, sure. I I don't think there's a lot of people that would disagree with that. Even, you know, ardent Second Amendment defenders like myself, I, I really doubt that that would be a huge point of contention, but I also don't see it being super effective. I mean, in, in stopping these crimes, people who commit Heinous crimes are often able to obtain their guns legally. Um, Many do obtain them illegally as well. But I, I don't think that if our goal is to stop these sorts of events from occurring, which should be the goal, I don't think that these are the right approaches. I At the end of the day, it's really hard to stop motivated people from obtaining goods that they desire, um, especially when there is a legitimate supply of those goods and there's adequate demand. Like there's going to be a market for it, whether it is on the up and up or if it's below the table. I mean, the war on drugs hasn't worked out very well. Prohibition times per capita consumption of hard liquor actually went up despite the government's attempts to poison liquor to to scare people from drinking. And so 
I don't think that any draconian measures of trying to outlaw guns or ban guns or, or make it um, extraordinarily difficult to obtain a gun would really make a difference. And so I think that the best that we can do right now in terms of stopping things like school shootings or um, even active shooter events out in public places, the two things we can do is one with schools, we need to bolster security. Um, I think every school needs to have armed security. They can reduce the points of entry into their school um, so that if there is a threat, you can you know what spot in on your property you're probably going to have to deal with it at. So I think that those are two things that you can do with schools. And then in general, I personally favor constitutional carry. I think 26 states have it now, uh, which includes states like Maine and Vermont. It's not just a deep red state value. I'm, I'm not commenting on whether or not I think it's the only legal way to approach gun ownership. The Supreme Court doesn't seem to believe it is. But I think that if we're talking about general public safety, having good guys carrying guns makes us safer because the bad guys are going to carry them regardless. Yeah, I think all of those are are really good ways to tackle this problem. What I believe the bigger problem uh, is that I was going to I could say mental health. That's a very difficult problem to take care of. I also think a lot of the division that we have in this country is leading to uh, a lot of nihilism in people, a lot more mental health problems and somehow we've got to stop looking at each other as enemies and different groups and this collectivism that we have going on where we see other groups as bad uh, leads to a lot of these shootings, shootings, in my opinion. And that's going to be a much harder problem to take on. Yeah. And, and first, I want to actually touch on what you mentioned with, you know, of, of course, that other event didn't make the news. There's an interesting book by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow. And one of uh, the principles that he has in that book, it's an acronym, but it stands for what you see is all there is. And a lot of times we make judgments based off of the information that is readily available to us. And we don't actually consider what we might not be seeing. And I think that that's super relevant when you're talking about things like mass shootings and gun violence, because the media definitely focus on certain types of instances way more than others. And and I think that that can affect public opinion and perception in a negative way. And then what you said about about our ability to focus on the other facets of this issue, because there's plenty of different things that go into the the issue of gun violence that we're seeing today. And mental health problems are a huge um, part of that. I mean, you don't go and shoot a bunch of people unless there is something wrong um, with your psych- psychic or psychology in that moment. And so, that definitely is a much more difficult issue to tackle. I don't think that the calls to ban uh, transgender individuals from owning guns following this um, is the right approach. I think that they're I, I, I'm, I'm fine going on record and saying this. I do think that transgenderism is a mental health issue. There's plenty of different things that could be causing that. And I think that the approach from the right to transgenderism has not been the right approach at all. It lacks empathy. I think it lacks a lot of character. I mean, these are human beings that are dealing with a very significant issue. I'm not talking about the shooter. I'm just talking about the transgender community as a whole. And But the problem with the calls to ban transgender individuals 
from owning firearms is it's not well accepted right now in society that that is a mental health problem. And so you really do open up a Pandora's box and, okay, what else are we going to consider a mental health problem? And if you do bear bar people from owning arms based on mental health problems, where do you draw the line? How many people today have anxiety? How many people today have depression? How many people have attention deficit disorder? Those are all psychological issues. I don't know if they should necessarily disqualify someone from being able to protect themselves. And so I think that even considering that transgenderism is a mental health problem, and I think it those individuals who struggle with it deserve the utmost empathy, care, and respect, and I wish them well and hope they get treatment and get better. I don't think that that trying to bar transgender individuals from owning guns is the right response. I don't think it would stop these shootings either. I don't think being transgender had anything to do per se from a psychological makeup standpoint to do with why this person carried out that shooting. So I, I don't think that that's the right response either. Well, no, there's a difference in saying that something is a mental health problem, which is it's strange that it's difficult to say that these days because a few years ago it was easy to say this legitimately is a mental health problem, you know, recognized by medical professionals. There's a difference in saying that there's a mental health problem and saying that that person has a predisposition to violence against other people. That's not what that means. And so if you're to say anyone with a mental health problem, well, you shouldn't be able to have guns. Like you said, the people on the right who made these arguments like Ben Shapiro and other people I saw uh, on the right making these arguments, like you said, what else? Uh, is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it ADHD? Things like that. Likewise, people on the left need to realize that when they say that there should be red flag laws for people who have mental health problems and you should be able to take guns, that eventually people on the right could take that all the way down to people that are transgender. And they need to realize that is a slippery slope towards towards that as well. Both sides need to realize that is a very dangerous, slippery slope. I'm glad that you brought that up. I, we called that out on our Dumb Bleep of the Week episode where we, we make fun of dumb things that people say. And the people on the right calling to take guns away from transgender. And that's also a collectivist ideology, which we're not supposed to have. That's lumping everyone in there together and saying that they're all going to be violent and taking away everyone's rights based on this one part of who they are as a person, uh, which is something we're all supposed to be against. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it, it is a little bit absurd that it was the reaction to this shooting, especially given that, I mean, when was the last time there was a publicized shooting where a transgender individual carried it out? Collectivism is is already not a good way to, to it's not a good lens to look at the issues of the world through. But it's even more bizarre in this case, because I can't remember another publicized shooting where, you know, a big part of the public discussion was that it was a transgender individual who carried it out. And so now all of a sudden the right is thinking, well, it happened one time. That must be a big problem. We need to get rid of it. I think it is completely illogical. And I hope, I hope that transgender individuals do protect themselves with firearms. I hope everyone is open to buying firearms and protecting themselves from threats around them and especially from their government. The Republican Party, the more you really start to get into politics, you'll see that the Republican Party does not really defend individual rights very well at all. They will point out when the left is threatening to infringe upon individual rights, 
But when it comes time for the, the Republicans to make a statement, they will make an argument that goes down that same slippery slope, like you pointed out, um, with trying to, to ban an entire identity from owning firearms. It really is dangerous because we need firearms to have that final check on government power. Anyone who has read any bit of history uh, knows that disarming the public is one of the first steps a tyrant takes when trying to amass control over a population. And so um, I do think that the Republican Party, who is supposedly the party that supports the Second Amendment, needs to do a much better job of actually thinking through their stances before they make these statements publicly. Yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to add on there is that we need to do a better job defending why we have the Second Amendment. Like you just said, it's supposed to be a check on the government. And I think we've been uh, maybe it's because the intelligence community has made it too difficult for us to say things like this because we could be domestic terrorists or something like that. It's supposed to be a check on the government. Sure, we're also supposed to have it to defend ourselves, to defend our homes and protect our family. But ultimately, this is in the Second Amendment because everyone knew that that was the way that you stopped the government from becoming tyrannical. And in my opinion, we need to be unapologetic in defending that as the reason that we have the Second Amendment, because stepping back and saying, well, no, I need to protect my family. Well, then people get to make the argument, well, you don't need this assault. You don't need this AR-15 to protect yourself against the home. And sure, it might be easier to use or whatever, but a handgun's just fine. And that's where you open this up for discussion. If you talk about, no, this is why we have it. It is so we can fight against the government if we have to. Well, then absolutely we need as good of uh, as good of armory as they have, I guess, except for nukes. I'm not in favor of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we probably shouldn't have nukes. I agree with you on that one. Ben, why don't you tell everyone where they can go to follow everything you're working on? Yeah, if you guys want to keep up with uh, my work, please follow me at Benjamin Ayanian at that's on Twitter. And then on Instagram, you can follow me at BIANian13. I post all of my great conversations like this one and my articles on both of those sites. So please give me a follow. All right, great. Those links will be in the show notes for everyone listening right now. Ben, thank you so much for your time today, and we'd love to have you back. If you like what you're hearing, you can go to BernieLives.com or go to Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app. And of course, you can find Free Talk Live anywhere you listen to podcasts as well. We will see you next Tuesday night. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.